Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 578, ramping up for the final big weekend of draft action. Some people will be in Vegas. Some people won't. Most of us will be enjoying uh, drafting from our couches or our offices at home, whatever we prefer. But it's going to be a fun one. So we have a couple episodes coming up for you this week today, breaking down some AL kind of storylines or uh, key kind of maybe draft nuggets for each team. Friday, we'll have a National League version of that coming out to get you ready for the big weekend. In order to help break down the American League for me, it's fun. It's a, There's a lot of uh, interesting things putting this outline together. I got the On the Wire crew. And if you don't know what the On the Wire crew is, one of the best podcasts in baseball. I've been on the show twice now. It's been awesome. It's over on the Pitcherless Podcast Network. And there's two wonderful gentlemen that are on the On the Wire crew. We have Mr. Kevin Hastings. You can find him on Twitter at, at HastingKevin. How are we doing, my friend? Excellent. Thank you, Bubba. It's great to be here. Always a blast hanging out with you and talking baseball. Most definitely. And then his co-host, you can find him on the Twitter at 80 grade, Mr. Adam Howe. How are we doing, man? I'm, I'm doing great. Um, it's been a long time since I get a lot of uh, how are you doing? Um, I know you didn't do that on purpose, but uh, I've been getting that since freshman year of high school. So it's uh, it's nice to hear it again. It's okay. I am a very sarcastic person. And honestly, I was doing different things, kind of getting ready for the show. And I'm like, I said that out loud in my head for some reason. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. This is this is dumb dad joke humor that I live for. This is like the the epitome of what annoys half my friends and stuff like that. So it's perfect. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. But um, how are you guys doing draft season? Like we kind of talked about it off the air. We'll get the listeners a little behind the scenes. Um, we'll go with you, Adam, and then Kevin. And then also plug your guys' stuff at Pitchlist. I know things are busy. Everything's been going full go for you guys you guys don't stop you're like me you guys are one of the few that just don't stop which is a great thing but go ahead and uh, plug away and how, how's that draft season yeah we uh we didn't um not only did we not stop we actually ramped up in the off season because uh as kevin had the idea we wanted to make sure we got to our 100th episode of on the wire uh just in time for PitchCon, um and we had to add a couple episodes here or there and not go a little bit more than weekly to do that so we were able to do that um and, and i mean on the wire has been awesome and we're gonna be continuously doing um our show weekly um on sundays as we focus on fab recommendations throughout the course of the season um but yeah i mean we're in the pitcherless discord all the time 
uh Bubba, you just announced as well. You're you're in there as well now as the yep. uh as the future host of the first pitch podcast during the week, the weekday yep. edition, if you will. Yep. Um so that'll be that'll be great. Um but uh really just enjoying all the new tools that uh Nick has put out there uh between PLV and uh, PL Pro and all the projections and the auction calculator. I've been able to use those as I as we talked about earlier. I'm pretty sure I'm done with drafts for this season. Um I have like a supplemental dynasty uh, draft coming up next weekend um but talking to you guys there's always a chance they <laughs> jump in something else at the last at the last possible second but i've got 15 nfbc drafts um under my belt for the season mix and match of you know gladiators dcs 50s obviously we have we've i'm not in all 10 but we had 10 uh listener leagues uh for on the wire as well those are 12 teamers on nfbc so same as the online championship format uh, and those have been a blast. Those are all concluded. Um, we doubled our, our leagues from last year. So that was really awesome. cool. Um, but it'll be interesting. I haven't yet done it, but I got to go back and look at ADP from our November draft all the way up to our early March drafts and kind of compare and contrast. Uh, I know what will come up next week and on next week's show as we talk about who's available for the first week of fab. Um, but it's been uh, it's been fun kind of seeing the ebb and flow of, you know, how drafts have gone from November all the way to March. Most definitely, and yeah, the first fab period is this weekend, which is right, nuts, which is nuts. <laughs> and those uh, those of us that draft early, the the wire is going to be awesome. It's going to yeah. be like a kid in a candy store in some of those <laughs> leagues. So, uh, Kevin, how are things going for you, my friend? Going outstanding, Bubba. Thank you again. Uh, yeah, I have I think a little more than half the number of leagues that I drafted last year. I think last year I ended up with twenty six of the different various leagues uh this year i'm at 14 and uh i could be done but as we were talking off air the, those first couple of days you know we're, we're recording here and, and we have eight days till opening day absolutely amazing this is a big draft weekend uh for a lot of people out in las vegas as you mentioned uh but and i'm not going to be able to attend this year but then that leaves monday through thursday and I'm fairly certain I'll end up getting the itch and hopping in something uh, prior to Thursday. But and yeah, it's just been an absolute blast. And Adam mentioned our listener leagues. I, I believe I'm in six of the ten, so I'm I'm at eight fab leagues right now, uh, which is uh, a little less than I had last year. So that'll help uh, help with the the time and the, the new tools they gave us on NFBC. Mm-hmm. That's going to be huge this season. I've been playing since we started drafting our our listener leagues uh, early in the off season. We had fab leagues in the system when you know before OCs were being drafted and stuff. So we got to play around with the new tools a little bit if if we wanted to. It's amazing. That's going to save us a lot of time this season. Yeah, it's going to be like even last year's developments were huge. This one's going to be even bigger. I think I'm in six or seven fab leagues. I was just scrolling around. If I if I stopped with what I have signed up, that's a big if. I'm like you, Kevin. Like I just, you know, if I'm bored, if like if I get another rainstorm next week in California and I'm sitting at home all day, like there's a great chance I might get my arm twisted. It just uh it's the best time of the year. The only Absolutely. thing that's been better, the only thing that's been better is seeing Mike Trout or Shohei Otani on oh, Tuesday man. night. That was electric, and I'm apologizing ahead of time. This show will not be as good as that. You know, it's not against my co-host. <laughs> I think it's my co-host. That might be the best thing we've ever seen in, in baseball field in a long time or ever see again. That was electric. Absolutely. Uh, we could do a whole podcast on WBC, so yeah. I'm not going to go any farther because <laughs> I fell down that rabbit hole in my last episode, and um, it was so awesome. 
but I'm going to leave it at that. And maybe I'll do a show someday. We just an hour and a half of drooling over the WBC, <laughs> but um, let's talk some kind of, again, I don't know the proper word. You think doing this this many years, you know, storylines, uh, scenarios, situations, whatever you prefer. And we'll go team by team. It's alphabetical order. I just went down to roster resource and kind of went through what's going on these days. And we'll start with the Baltimore Orioles, where it's like you got the young O's. Like you see Alex Fast and other Orioles fans talk about it. They're all hyped up. You got these young Orioles. You got your Gunnar Hendersons. Your, your Kyle Stowers is having a big spring showcasing some power. Uh, everyone loves Grayson Rodriguez. Question how many innings, all that kind of good stuff. Um, we'll start with you on this one, Kevin. How are you kind of viewing these guys? Because I, I, And for the listeners, we're using main event ADP. At the point of recording, there's been 10 main events that have taken place, so it's a pretty good sample size. Gunnar Henderson's got a 104.9 ADP. Kyle Stowers, 429.4. And Grayson Rodriguez, 178.7. So, Kevin, how are you kind of approaching these guys? Because young guys are always like the shiny new toy, but there's always like concerns also. Yeah, I, I don't have these guys on many of my rosters, if at all, actually. I might have a Gunnar Henderson share because, uh, you know, that third base drop-off, he's kind of the end of it. Everybody's been talking about that all offseason. I, I, I may have a share or two of him, but I really have my eye on Stowers right now over these last few days going into our first fab weekend of the season because he's only been drafted in uh, – when I've made my notes when there had been nine – main events drafted he was only drafted in five of those nine so he's available even in 15 team leagues out there uh this weekend so he is something he's one of the guys that i'm keeping an eye on as we're putting things together to shore up our teams before the, the start of the season next thursday yeah stowers is one that i had a lot of dc shares of uh, i was a big fan of the power he's got no surprisingly no home runs this spring though which was just a surprise but the run production, everything's been good. Uh, Adam, how are you looking at the uh, the young gunners? Because similar to Kevin, I don't have any Gunner or Grayson Rodriguez on my squad. Yeah, I don't have any Gunner. I don't have any Stowers. Uh, I, yeah, honestly, I didn't. I don't know that I really expected Stowers to make the opening day roster. I kind of assumed he would uh, start down in the minors and be maybe a short order um, come up, maybe even in May. Um, you know, after that time manipulation, because um, I don't foresee him being somebody that's going to compete for Rookie of the Year. Um, though I don't even think he's he might not even be eligible uh, for that. Um, you know, the the awards that teams could get if they if they win. Um, I do have, t- uh, you know, two out of 15 of my teams. I, I did end up picking up Grayson Rodriguez in a few places. Um, the innings, because of where he was, and it really got, got to a point where it, it depended on how I was drafting my team. And it got to a point where he was just the, the he was the best possible um, option at that time. Uh, you know, as you're referencing ADP, um, for the main event, he's going around guys in the main event uh, around John Gray. He's going around uh, other star Alex Cobb, Patrick Sandoval. Um, and what I think Grayson Rodriguez could do at the very beginning of the year, regardless if he gets um, you know ter- pulled back or pushed back in innings um, later on in the year, which is I think how they'll end up doing it. I they very well could c- um, cut off his innings in game. Um, but I, I think that it's going to be more of a uh, phantom IL stint or spread out his innings throughout the course of the year. Maybe you can cut them off at the end um, if they're not playoff bound. Um, 
and I think that what he can do from the get-go is, you know, heads and tails above what uh, what you're seeing for other options, especially like the other injury concerns of like John Gray, like I mentioned earlier. Um, so I am a little bit in on Grayson Rodriguez. Um, I, I haven't touched Gunner. I don't have any Gunner shares. Um, for me, if I didn't grab one of those first three, you know, top third basemen, um, I was usually waiting until the, you know, Matt Chapman tier um, at range. And because uh, that, Right around you know pick 100, it was usually where I was either double tapping catchers or picking up a picking up another closer um, in that range as well. So I had a certain direction I was looking to go in where Gunner was ended up where Gunner ended up going in most drafts. Yeah, I, I had similar Gunner thoughts with me. It's just one of those I got to see it for where he's getting drafted type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was doing the same thing. If I can get like a J Ram or a Machado or something, I was going farther down the list, just like you. And the, and the one thing you mentioned with Grayson. And that's just my biggest concern is how do they utilize his innings? If like if they just said right out the gate, hey, we'll let him go through them in the first you know four months of the season, like just go six, seven innings. Okay, cool, drop them, you're good to go. I'm just worried about how they how they go about those innings sure. is my biggest concern. But you mentioned the guys he's going around. If you're talking ceiling plays, 100 percent agree with with what you got there. Let's go Boston Red Sox. This is a fun one. Uh, Tristan Casas is a guy that we all know the immense power he brings to the table. Last year's kind of cup of coffee like most young guys, didn't go probably as greatly as planned, one would say. But this spring, tearing the cover off the baseball. He's hitting uh, 341, two home runs, seven RBIs, even three doubles. He's just doing everything you'd want to see him do. And um, it's it's carrying over to his ADP at 216.5 because it definitely was not that high early in draft season. So we'll start with you on this one, Adam. How are you approaching Tristan Costas? Because – Right now, even roster resource has him projected to lead off, which is bonkers. Um, how are you going about this? Because he's all of a sudden entered my kind of chat in my draft brain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he what he led off the was it this first game, uh, first spring training game of the season, or right around the beginning, and roster resource has been running with that um, ever since. Um, I mean, we got to remember spring training. I mean, you just had Mike Curlin on there as well. I think you guys talked about this, but there's a lot of guys missing um, uh, from from most of the spring training uh, rosters through the WBC. Um, and so you're missing a lot of pieces that could or should be in lineups in different in different positions. So it gives Alex Cora and every other manager the opportunity to try different things out. Um, I, I'm definitely going after Casas more so now than I was at the beginning of the offseason um, because I think the number one concern with Casas was that he was going to end up being in a platoon. Not, not because there wasn't other options, just because that's just who he was, who he was going to end up being. And he was going to mash when he was on, on there. Uh, but now... Alex Cora came out pretty early on in the offseason saying, you know, we're going to give, we want to give as much of a look at Casas as possible. And then, of course, they cut Eric Hosmer and they pretty much opened up the floodgates as far as playing time uh, for him. And now Bobby Dalbeck is going to be the starting shortstop now, apparently. <laughs> so he's not even an option at first base. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I, I'm going as far as saying I don't have a problem. I wouldn't have a problem with a team waiting all the way and in, in pushing Casas up their draft board to be their starting first baseman at this point. Um, if you really wanted to skip out on those top tier guys, the same way I, I looked at third base, if I'm not getting a top tier third baseman, I'm waiting until, you know, pretty far down the list. Casas, you know, it's a risk. It's just like Gunner, but you're still not paying Gunner prices at, at, you know, in that rookie, you're still paying, you know, that, plus 200 range um and what you can get out of that now of course he's better as your corner um and your backup first baseman um but if you're desperate and you really want to go that direction i wouldn't blame anybody for it 
Yeah, it's really interesting looking at his ADP climb. He's gone as high as 191 in these 10 drafts, but, you know, he's right behind Josh Naylor. Um, you know, that Casas on paper might have the higher ceiling there, I'd say. Uh, you got Drury, Cronenworth going ahead of him. Josh Bell maybe makes it a little more interesting conversation. Then you get the Ty Francis of the world, but that's like a whole 20 to 30 picks up as you move up. So what to, to your point of waiting, it's like, okay, 100% good with that, but if you are going to wait on him, maybe jump him around or two just to make sure you oh, get him. Absolutely. Because if you don't get him, you're in a world of hurt after oh, yeah. that. I won't, I won't mention the names after that. That gets tricky. So, Kevin, how are you looking at Tristan Casas right now? Yeah, I, I think this is one of those players I'm going to wish I had paid more attention to throughout draft season. I, I don't have him on any of my rosters. And uh, what we've seen from the spring and everything Adam just said, I agree with. I probably should have been uh, a little more on him. But uh a couple of guys we're going to talk about when we get to the Guardians, one going right in front of him and one after him. I have quite a few shares of both of those guys when we get to this range. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, this is going to be one of those guys, if if he continues to play the, the way he's looked like he can in the spring and what we've expected while we've been waiting the last couple of years, I'm going to wish I had him on more of my rosters or any at all even. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't even want to look at my player shares page right now because I'm pretty sure it's a zero next to his yeah. name, and that's not cool. But I got three drafts to remedy that. So there you we'll go. See how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I've got yeah. Two, I've got two pieces, but they're both in my most two recent drafts. So yeah, there. Yeah, I totally was like you guys. I was like, ah, he's gonna platoon. He might not even make the, like all these things, or he's gonna hit eighth. Or it's like early projections had him hit the seventh or eighth. I'm like I kind of you know I'll take the you mentioned the Guardians players or something, and now it's like, yeah, this might not be oh, the best God. plan. Um, Masataka Yoshida. Masataka Yoshida. I'm working on that, guys. Um, This is a fun one because for us baseball nerds, we knew who he was. We knew he had OBP skills. We knew all these things about Masataka Yoshida. And then the real baseball classic happened. And now millions of people know who Yoshida is, not let alone most of the fantasy community. So his ADP right now is 197. It's gone as high as 174. I honestly think it's going to keep going. I call it the WBC helium. I think that's going to keep climbing up. So I'll start with you on this one, Kevin. Are you in on Yoshida? And then I guess the real question is, how high is too high? Because he's going to keep rising. Yeah, I, I'm in now, but it's too late, kind of like Casas. Um, you know, I was of the, I, I agreed with the, I think was a pretty popular opinion. He was going to hit at the top of the lineup, score, score a lot of runs, have a great batting average. And that's not what I was looking for in, in, in the range of ADP he, he was going. Uh, but now we, we've seen a, a little more of the power. And it looks like he's going to hit cleanup in that lineup, possibly. At least that's where roster resource has him. And that, that's about where he may end up. And then that bumps up the RBI. And if he is going to hit a few more home runs than we thought he might, then, uh, yeah, I missed out. Once again, just like Casas throughout draft season. But now, how high would be too high? Uh, right in this, the, there's some guys in this range where I that I do have shares of that I may wish I'd had Yoshida instead. Um, I mean, man, we a lot of us love Jared Kelnick, mm-hmm. and it's he's looking good in the spring. But I'd probably rather have Yoshida. I'm mm-hmm. I'm one of the fans of Lars Newtbar. What we've seen recently, could he jump up above him in ADP? Maybe, and and I, and I might agree with that. So yeah, I think he could move up a little further than right at 200 where he's at now. And once again, just like Wakasas, I think this is a guy I'm going to wish I had more exposure to. 
Yeah, it's like when you look at it, you mentioned Kalnick, Newbar, like Joey Manistas, I probably, if I don't need a ton of power, Yoshida, you got Bellinger, who I'm still not a believer in, but some people are. Uh, say a Suzuki, they seem like a pretty even comp, honestly, and that's like a 30-pick difference. So we'll see how it goes. I'm curious to see how Vegas handles I'm Yoshida sure. this week. And uh, Adam, how are you looking at Yoshida? Because I think what we're coming down to, it seems like most of us ignored the Red Sox. Is what it came down to, <laughs> because on paper, and I think we're probably like just for the listener's sake, I think we had reasoning behind this. When spring started, this team was a dumpster fire, and the lineup was a mess. Pitching staff still a mess. Uh, there's still other things, but w- typical spring training, things are getting cleared up a bit, and hey, now it's like react situation. So, Adam, how are you looking at you? Hey, the Red Sox couldn't lose a game when spring training started. They they went undefeated in their first like I don't know for like ten or twelve games. It was crazy. Um, but as far as Yoshida specifically goes, Yoshida is my most rostered player uh, in all of draft season. 15 drafts, I have 10, nice. uh, 10, 10 drafts in which I was able to pick him up. Of course, that ADP ranges because I was drafting oh, him yeah. long before he was posted uh, and, and, and still continue to do so. And let's be specific. These are NFBC formats where you have five outfielders. That makes a big difference. Um, you know, in, in your Yahoo leagues in your CBS, wherever there's only three. And of course you have utility. Um, there is a lot less, I'm a lot less interested in those formats because of what he brings to the table. Um, and yes, the power is there. It's not, I mean, let's not let the one series that the WBC inflate that. But I also was going back to uh, the uh, the Japan series uh, where he hit that moonshot in game five of their championship series um, and ended up winning that game um, due to that or part, partly due to that, at least. So there are definitely highlight reels that you can reference um, to show that he's got more power or more pop than I think a lot of people were assuming. Um, but really what it comes down to is that around 200, or where I was drafting him like early in draft season at like 285, three closer to 300. Um, you don't, you can't find that batting average or that potential batting average unless it's completely empty batting average at that point. And Yoshida is obviously going to be in the heart of a lineup that is not going to provide uh, empty batting average. Like he's going, that batting average is going to translate into counting stats, whether it's RBIs in the in the cleanup spot or runs toward the top of the order. Um, he's came out and said that, you know, he's not used to being at the top of the order. He wasn't expecting to be the top of the order guy. Um, he is more comfortable in the layoffs, but he'll do whatever, you know, Alex Cora tells him to do, he said. But uh, I'm not too surprised that he's going to be closer to the middle of the lineup just because that's where he's comfortable and that's where he's shown success in the past. As far as the rest of the Red Sox go, I mean – there's so many, there's still so many question marks about what's going on here. Um, is Adam Duvall actually going to hit, you know, put bat to ball? Uh, yeah. Simple as that. Like he went over what 18 and then he finally hit a home run. Uh, and he's the everyday center fielder. Jaron Duran has obviously been in Mexico for WBC. So he hasn't really been able to be in camp to kind of uh, show that, you know, he shouldn't start in the minors next year. Um, they've got other guys uh, kind of coming up that could, fight for a role from a defensive standpoint. And the Red Sox have a history of doing that with Jackie Bradley Jr. Jaron Duran actually as an example. Um, So I'm not sure I've got plenty of uh, exposure to Duvall as well, just because he's got the job now and we'll see if he holds on to it. Um, But I mean, the fact that I think somebody drafted Trevor story in the main event is kind of weird. We'll see how that turns out. See how long they hold on to him. 
Um, maybe they know something I don't, but there's so many other question marks in the infield. I, I, I am curious to see the Bobby Dahlbeck in the middle infield uh, experiment. Um, and we'll see. Well, how the Red, long the Red he Sox is. diehards keep telling me that it's still Enrique's job. He was just playing for Team Mexico. Calm yeah, down, sure. blah, 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 which I'm sure, but <laughs> hey. It's still fun to watch. Oh, yeah, that's why. Like most, like, most people like should know me by now that I'm a very sarcastic person. So when I tweet stuff out, like I tweet out, usually like I'd say eighty percent of it's a joke. <laughs> and so like the Bobby Dahlbeck tweet, people, of course, young serious Red Sox fans, they did not take it so funny. I'm like, I get it, guys. I know he's not the everyday shortstop. That was a hundred percent a joke on this one. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun in Red Sox land these days. It's like panic at the disco, and that brings us to Chris Sale who has looked electric. He gave up some runs his last start, but the velo's there, and most of us, that's all we care about right now. He looks, he's looks, he got the strikeouts. He's got the velo. His ADP is around 100 right now. That's moved up since my Monday night show. Like, it's crazy. It keeps creeping. Went as high as 81 in drafts. So I'll start with you on this one, Kevin. How many innings does Chris Sale have to pitch to be worth? Let's, let's go with the 81, because I think he's still going to move up this weekend, um, ADP-wise. Like, how many innings does he have to pitch to bring the fantasy value that people are basically hyping him up for right now? I think if we get to that 130 or 140 that most projections are are giving him, that's probably going to do it for us. And if, you know, I don't think it takes a whole lot of starts for him to get there. And by whole lot, I mean, you know, he's uh, these projections on his inning projections are based on 25 or 26 starts on all the systems that you see on fan graphs. And he's so the only a five and a third to five and two thirds innings per start. Last time he was healthy, which 2019, we're going back a long ways and things have changed the way starting pitchers are used. But if you go back to the last time he was healthy, uh, you know, he w- we're, he was getting more like six, a full six per start and up to, to 2017, seven innings per start. You know, he was a, he was a way over 200 inning per year guy there for four out of five seasons. So I think he can probably go a little deeper into games than he's being projected for. And if he does that, then we're getting to that 150, 160. And then he's definitely worth the men pick here that you mentioned. And we're, we're probably going to see that rise. Yeah. What about you, uh, Adam, on this one? Because it's the million dollar question. If you want to take the gamble on it, he's got to hit that number, basically. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to is it's a gamble. But at the same time, um, I mean, sale, what's really surprising to me is that, first of all, he looks good. And he's not the opening day starter for the Red Sox. Yeah, um, true. You know, the Good whole storyline that he's not going to be, you know, they don't want to put that pressure on him or whatever. I mean, okay. I mean, this is Chris Sale, like you've seen all the highlight reels of him throwing chairs and, and getting angry. Um, he is a pressure dude. <laughs> like he lives for that. Um, and it's in Fenway. Um, it's a little surprising. Um, but that being said, um, you know, nobody's going to limit Chris. I don't think anybody's going to try to limit Chris sales innings. Um, I think only Chris sale will limit his own innings uh, when it comes down to it. I don't think the Red Sox are at a point where they're, you know, you know what, we got to save you. We got to save that arm. Um, And I would totally expect him to get up to that projected inning mark that uh, Kevin was talking about 130, 140, uh, maybe even plus. Um, And we all know that when Chris sale is healthy, 
he is Chris Sale. And um, I, I've got two pieces of him, two pieces of the pie uh, of my 15. And they're both in like a draft and hold setting. Um, I, w- I almost wish I took more risk on him in a fab in more in fab leagues uh, as you know, you can make your decisions a little faster uh, with him. This is not a guy where you're going to have to uh, wonder what's going on with him early on in the season. You're going to know, is he right as rain? Um, is he good to go? Is he going to limit? Is he going to be limited for whatever reason? Or is he, you know, going at full speed? Um, and you're and not that you're going to drop him right away per se, if he's not a hundred percent out of the gate, but at the same time, you're, you're going to know right away. You're not going to have to wonder. And I, I, I like that a lot with, especially any guy that I'm going to put any kind of risk into or any kind of, uh, um, you know, take a chance on, I want to know by the end of April at the latest what I've got. True. Uh, question for you, Kevin, just a, a quick one on this one. Chris sale, how high is too high ADP? He's 81 is a bit high so far. Yeah, so that's he's the 25th starting pitcher off the board. I had to check my notes there real quick. And that's he he's probably better than that from what we've seen so far, right? This is I've been saying this about a lot of these players. Uh, a lot of these players you picked out here today, Bubba, all guys I'm I'm gonna wish I had more of. Uh I think uh I think I'd be comfortable taking him as a top 20 guy if I was doing a draft today. Okay. What about you, Adam? Yeah, I'm looking at the guys going around him right now and between, I mean, uh, I think he's, I mean, at this point, I, I'd take him over Joe Musgrove. Um, okay. I would probably take, but I wouldn't take him over George Kirby. And so these guys, obviously you have your different uh, senses of who you think is going to, you know, break mm-hmm. out or continue to grow um, as they're going. Um, you know, I probably, you know, put him right in the same range as Robbie Ray. Kevin, I know how you feel about Robbie Ray. I definitely take him over Robbie yeah. Ray. Everybody knows that. <laughs> um, but like, I think that you know, the, if you're looking for the upside and strikeouts and what have you, I think Robbie Ray has the ability—not only ability, he's almost guaranteed to not only pitch more yeah. innings, but also put up more counting stats in that range. But um, I think where he's going is pretty much where uh, I, I think is. I've already kind of hit my limit there, and I probably wouldn't go much further. All righty. Let's go to the Chicago White Sox. And stop me if you've heard this before. Eloy Jimenez has an injury. Um, it's a calf injury. They're not too concerned with it. Um, are you guys concerned with this situation? Because when you look at his uh, main event ADP right now, we're sitting at a wonderful, if it loads, there you go, uh, 70, about 73, give or take, right now. 18th outfielder off the board. So, Adam, how are you feeling about Eloy Jimenez entering draft weekend? You're on mute. I've gotten pretty. I've gotten pretty yeah. good at this, and I'll I'll show. And I finally uh, got a hiccup with the mute button. Um, but I don't have any pieces of Eloy this season. Um, I, I don't foresee myself if I jump into one more draft of getting one. Um, you know, it's the whole risk reward thing. Yeah, of course. He if he's perfectly fine throughout the season, he gets close to 140, 150 games. Um, plays the entire game throughout the season. Um, yeah, he's a second rounder at, you know, at worst, really more than likely based on talent. Um, but it's just not a, it's not a direction I want to go with my teams. I've got enough to manage. Um, I'm not looking to manage Eloy's, uh, playing time situation based on his injury history, based on what we're seeing already in spring training. Um, granted, I mean, it was a calf, right? And it's like, yeah. not to say that that can't linger, but I mean, at least it's not an oblique. Um, I'll, I'll give him that. 
uh, and he looks like he's going to be back in short order. At least that's what the reports were. But still, like, I mean, is this this is I'm not, you know, touting like I'm avoiding him because of injuries, but I was avoiding him because of the concern of possible injuries. And this is just, you know, kind of gotten to a point where uh, what, you know, what can we expect moving forward? And not for me. What are you doing with Eloy, Kevin? A very first draft of the season out in Arizona, early November, when we were watching the World Series out there, uh, I took him in the fourth round and realized quickly after as more drafts started happening, I probably didn't have to take him quite that early at that time. And now we do. Uh, I, I'm happy uh, with, with him on my rosters. I'm not too worried about the calf. I know he wants to play outfield and he'll, they'll probably appease him a little bit and let him play out there some, but I think this, this calf issue is, I know he, it, it happened as he was running to first base, uh, but it's just uh, a little more incentive for the White Sox to use him at designated hitter more often. And uh, yeah, I have him on several teams. I'm still happy about it. I'm not too worried about the calf. And right around where he's going is, is where I uh, where I know we need to take him early fifth round here. So, yeah, I, I'm an Eloy fan. I just, I just hope. See, most of his injuries have been fluky kind of injuries and not soft tissue. And as as long as that keeps up, this calf issue doesn't bother me. If his previous injuries in the past had been more soft tissue, then I'd be really worried about this calf issue. But right now, I'm not. Yeah, no, the Eloy one's a tough one. It's a, this we know the talents there. Stay on the field and play DH. We're good. Don't go in the field and get hurt and we're in trouble. So that's kind of the, the million dollar question with Eloy. Uh, Oscar Colos is having a monster spring, trying to make a name for himself with the White Sox. Uh, non roster invitee, so he's not on the forty man. So that move would have to happen to stay on the team. That's been the kind of discussion I've had with Curland and whatnot. That the biggest hiccup in Colos. It seems like he's going to be the starting right fielder. That seems to be the move. But they still have to make other moves, as I kind of said. Uh, when you're drafting right now, his ADP is 257. So, Kevin, are you in on a guy like Oscar Colos? Uh, not quite yet. Uh, he's still not on that roster. It, it appears that he probably will be. But this is a little early for me for someone we still don't know for certain is going to start the season with the team. You know, we're talking 11th or 12th round of a 15-team league, and I'm – I, I'm not using a pick there on someone that I'm not certain is even going to be with the team to start the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar boat. What about you, Adam? What are you doing with Oscar Colos? I don't have any uh, Colos shares. It, it, it less to do with the fact that he possibly could not be on the team. I foresee him being um, the starting, you know, uh, playing every day in the outfield, especially with his uh, Eloy moves, moves as well, um, where he could be spending more time at DH because of the calf. Um, but I just don't necessarily think that Colas is going to provide us with the type of projections that I think a lot of people are hoping for based on the power that he obviously has. Um, but he also comes with a lot of you know swing and miss in his game as well. I wonder how much time he will end up playing, even if he is like the opening day uh, right fielder. Um, and so... I've been avoiding him in general just because I don't I don't necessarily believe that he will pro be providing me with um, positive value um, on, a, on a regular basis. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks is the bottom line with Oscar Colas. And 
at that point in the draft, there's still some pretty solid dudes to be taken around him. Like at least the guys, you know, like Brendan Donovan's having a good spring, you know, Jake Fraley's right in front of him, Mitch Hanniger, uh, Trey Mancini. If you're like, talking to outfielders, like, you know, at least kind of their positioning on the situation. So it, it makes it tough to, to gamble on a, on a first timer in that scenario. Uh, last White Sox question I have for you, and this is more of a selfish question because I want to get your guys' opinion on this. It's Lucas Giolito, ADP of about 131, 132 right now. We know last season, horrific. There's no sugarcoating that. It was bad. He was going through different mechanics and pitch mixes. He was He's a very cerebral pitcher. If people listen to my other shows, I've, I I love Lucas. I've talked about him a lot. I, I love the mindset of the man. Uh, we've seen him come back in shape this year. Last year, he put weight on because he said he needed more longevity in the season. That obviously affected his mechanics. He said, screw it. I'm going to figure it out this way. I know spring training is just spring training, but Velo looks back. Things are looking good for, for Giolito. Adam, and are you looking into maybe taking chances on Gio for a bounce back? Now, when I say bounce back, I do want to clarify for listeners. A year ago, he was like on the one-two turn as an ace. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he's at ADP 131 right now. Maybe we get him. An eighty at a pick eighty value, seventy value, something along those lines. Are you willing to take that chance on Gigolito this year, Adam? Um, I want to say yes, but I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's um, disingenuous of me to say yes com- completely. Um, I, I he, how he's been um, per- performing during spring and, and the velocity and like just in general what I've seen or and and also obviously what I've heard. Um, obviously, listen to Nick Pollock when it comes to pitching. Uh, you know, I'm 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 back in. Um, I would definitely take more chances on him um, if I had another draft where he was going. Um, and if I can pull that, oh, I've I've got outfielders still up here. Um, About one thirty ish. Yeah, exactly. I mean, typically I will find myself um, not going heavy on starting pitching to beginning. I'll usually get my one ace and I'll wait a little bit and fill up my uh, some core of my of my hitters, um, and then I'll you know get two or three guys all in a row. And usually it's right after that hundred mark that I'll be targeting um, at least my, you know, SP two or SP three. If, uh, if not SP three and SP four and Giolito would definitely fit within that. Um, I, I think that he's also got the mentality of someone who isn't happy with himself. Isn't happy with what happened last year. He's going to want to be able to prove that he wants to, you know, that he can get back to where he was. Um, he obviously is going to be playing for a, you know, free agent contract in the near future as well. Um, so he needs to be able to bring that back up and, and bring his stock back up for his own, you know, financial gain as well. So there's a lot going, there's a lot going right in that direction for him. And so it'd be somebody, at least from a narrative standpoint, that uh, I'd be jumping in for. What about you, Kevin? What's your thoughts on Giolito? Yeah, I do have several shares and wish I had more. Uh, I, I I have been of the opinion that he would figure this out in the off season. And from what we're seeing with you, brought up the velocity. That's that's huge for me. Uh, he's already throwing at, uh, at at or above where he ended last season. So as he continues to ramp up, it looks like his velocity is going to be back, and that's huge. Uh, along with the mechanics. Uh, I, I think we we missed the boat if we didn't grab him, especially when he was going quite a bit lower. You know, I was getting him 11th, 12th round, and now we're here we are, and he's went in the seventh round of a main event. Uh, and I think this weekend in Vegas, that's probably where he's going to be grabbed on average is more of that men that we saw in New York and online. So uh, I'm, I'm very happy I got him where I did, and I'd still be in. At, at that point, if I'm drafting them this weekend, um, 
The velocity is what I wanted to see uh, just to verify my thought that I thought last year was a fluke and we've seen it. So I'm all in. Yep, We're on the same page on that one. Let's go to the uh, previously mentioned Cleveland Guardians, a fun team. They surprised, I think, a lot of us last year in winning baseball games, and um, I think it's because they can pitch. And one of the things is Tristan McKenzie sticks had a heck of a season, heck of a first full, full season for Tristan McKenzie. And now with that success comes an ADP bump of around 82. So, you know, we just mentioned Chris Sale's gone as high as 81. He'd be going right around Mr. Tristan McKenzie is what it comes down to. So you have to start picking your battles here. Uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts on McKenzie? Because I'll be 100% honest before you guys talk. I have zero shares. I am nervous about the guy. Uh, I just have a lot of questions. So what's your thoughts on Tristan McKenzie? Um, when, it, when it comes to start of pitching, I put a lot of trust in people that uh, know more about pitching than I do. And I, and I did get a couple of shares early in draft season and then stopped. I mean, Nick Pollock's got him at 49 right now right, for starting pitchers. He's going as the 26th starting pitcher off the board. That's a big jump. Eno Saris has him down in that same range. Two of the smartest pitching guys out there have him well below where he's being drafted. I'm out. Yep, I'm with you, 100% with you. What about you, Adam? What's your thoughts on Tristan McKenzie? Yeah, I don't think I have any McKenzie. I've been avoiding him, just uh, avoiding the drop-off that it seems to be inevitable. Um, in, instead of quoting Nick Pollock specifically, I will just quote his PLV as well. Um, I mean, he has three or um, two of his three pitches that he throws the most um, are all are below average, well below average for his slider. Um, the fastball is just at average at 5.035 being average. Um, and so this seems as though, you know, he, he obviously produced very well for people who rostered him last year. And congratulations. If you were in that boat, um, it does look like he might've hit a little bit of luck. Um, and he definitely broke down a little bit as time went on. And I, I foresee that luck kind of coming back at him in 2023. Um, I mean, Cleveland does wonderful things with their pitchers. We all know this. Um, and we'll see if they can kind of fix that. The biggest thing to, to echo what Nick was saying earlier on in the offseason uh, was that Tristan McKenzie, because as you called him, sticks, uh, he's the one guy that you could have really hear if you heard he's, he's coming into camp in the best shape of his life in the fact that he actually gained weight uh, to control, uh, to at, which would add more, a little bit more control um, to all of his arsenal. Um, that would have been great. We would have heard that. That would have bumped him up. We would have had more confidence in what he could do throughout the season, not break down, et cetera, et cetera. He did not, that did not happen. Um, and so it's just one, one more thing that just kind of kept me out. Yeah, like I'm too big to be an athlete, like consistently like them, but sticks seems a little too small to be doing like, Giants fan here, Tim Lincecum, small dude, awesome, yep. broke down. Like, it's just, and I'm not saying it's going to happen to Tristan. I hope it doesn't happen, but that's like the concern on the back of my brain when it comes to that scenario. Next Cleveland question, I'm going to go back to Kevin because he mentioned these two gentlemen earlier. They're deeper first base targets, and I'm with you. I see you smirking over on the camera. I have a ton of shares of these two, especially Mr. Josh Naylor. I've been pounding that drum for a long time. Uh, so when they signed Josh Bell, I was kind of really mad at first, <laughs> and then it kind of came together. But this is just a fun one because the bad X has Josh Bell and Josh Naylor both projected for 18 home runs this year. I think they both hit in the 20s personally, but I'm also biased. Kevin, who do you think hits more home runs between the two? Very similar players. As you said, the bad X has them in the same spot. I'm with you. I think they both get into the low 20s, but I think if one could go beyond that, it's Josh Naylor. I think we're forgetting he had a horrific injury. 
Yep. Uh, missed a long time. He's only at about uh, about a full season's worth of plate appearances back from that injury. So I think if one of them's going to take a leap and and jump ahead of the other one, it, it would be Josh Naylor. He's still 25 years old and missed a significant amount of time with that horrific leg injury. So uh, like you, I, I have a lot of, of both of these guys on my team. I would continue to draft them where they're going, as I mentioned earlier. And yeah, but Naylor's the guy I could see going beyond. So I, I would, uh, if I had to put some money down on which one hits more home runs, I would go with Josh Naylor. We're on the same page, my friend. Adam, do you have a, a pick between the Naylor and Bell grouping? I've always been a nail, a pro Naylor um, um, guy as well. So, I mean, I don't have anything else to add here. But, uh, you know, I, I wish I had – this is my guy where I, you know, I, I know I'm going to wish I had more exposure to throughout the course of the season. Yeah. And he's going almost two rounds later than Josh Bell. Bingo. Like, I, I, when I see it, it's the old thing. Like, one of my favorite things I've talked about year in and year out during draft season is – Find players that are similar or better you can draft later in the scenario. They are the spitting image, and they just happen to be on the same team now. Like they, They're almost like the Spider-Man gif, and it's like <laughs> you can get them two to three rounds later. Sure. It's, it's a fun little deal. Detroit Tigers, uh, I just kind of grouped some players together, so talk about who you want. You don't have to talk about them all because it's the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> and it's just like my, my question was, you know, Javi Baez, you know, he could potentially mount. These, they're all affordable is why I put them here. Yeah, Javi Baez, you got Riley Green, who people are hyped on in year two. Yeah, Austin Meadows coming back from his injury, horrible first season in Detroit. Yeah, Torkelson who's starting to come to come to life here at the end of spring training. And you got Jonathan Scope had a horrific season. He's free in drafts right now. So, um, are you buying into any of these guys come draft day? Because it still is the Tigers. They're still hitting in Comerica, no matter what dimensions change. Um, but we'll start with you, Adam. Are there any of these guys that you're looking to kind of target come draft day? Yeah, it seems like the dimensions obviously will help a little bit, but nothing compared to what we're expecting to see out of Toronto. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm not putting too much stock into to that. Anything is better than nothing, though, in Detroit. So we'll just give them that. Um, I think of this group that you listed out here be, between Baez, Green, Meadows, Torkelson, and Scope. Um, Scope and of all of these guys, Baez, the, those two, two guys that I'd be, um, I'm interested in the most, especially where they're uh, where they're available at in most drafts. Um, they're afterthoughts at their positions. As simple as that. Um, Baez can't get worse, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Much, I mean, he, he's being drafted as if he's going to repeat the worst season of his entire career, which I get, um, but I think it works the same way. It's like you don't, um, you don't, you know, pay for what happened last year. You pay for what you think could happen um, in the following year, and it works. And we say that all the time for guys who had career years, um, and their ADP goes up. Um, it really, you know, think about it. You, it should work the same way for guys you think could bounce back, um, who could you know, adjust to their new teams and their new contracts and their new environment a, a little bit better in their second year. Um, so I, li I like Baez as obviously as a middle infield at best. He's not going to be my shorting shortstop or starting second baseman if he still has that eligibility somewhere. Um, but Jonathan Scope is going to play all the time. And I think we forget about how good he, he he can be for you on offense. He was by outs above average. I believe he was the best defensive player in baseball last year believe it or not. Um, and he's going to play every day at second base, which has now become a, you know, a, a desert of talent. Um, and so I like, I like these two guys here um, based on, on their price. I mean, the other guys, I don't have a problem with their price. Um, I haven't paid up for green anywhere. 
Um, I, I think I feel like I missed out on Meadows and and Torkelson. Yeah, it's it, he seems like the obvious like, hey, you know, post, you know, prospect hype uh, sleeper, if you will, based on the talent he has. Um, but until he actually starts hitting the ball in the air and over the fence, um, I'll let somebody else um, enjoy the fruits of that labor. For sure. Kevin, how are you approaching the Detroit Tigers? I know this doesn't make for, for great radio or podcasting, but I, I agree with Adam here. The two I'm interested in, and I mentioned to you, Bubba, off air before we got started that uh, uh, studying up on making some notes here for our for the show today helped me out. Uh, Jonathan Scope was only, has only been drafted in four out of the nine first nine main event leagues, so he's available in a lot of spots. If you lost Jose Altuve, this is where I'm going. And Adam nailed it. He's going to play every day. It's shocking to me in today's day and age. And and I've missed out on him too. I don't have many shares yet. I'm going to after this weekend. Because uh, in this day and age where we're looking for plate appearances, and sometimes, as I've, I've said, sometimes I think we look into that a little too much and go a little overboard. But we do need plate appearances. And he's going to get them. And the underlying metrics for last season uh, – were right at his career average. And in some instances, some of the best his career. He hit his hard hit rate, I think was the second or third best of his career when I was looking a day or two ago. And his ground ball rates, everything is right at his career average or slightly better, but a 234 Babbitt. And, and that just tanked everything. So, uh, John, even if I, on teams that I didn't lose Altuve, I, I'm still looking to see can I use a second baseman or a middle infielder? Is that what I need to improve my team before this season gets started? Uh, I think he's any league I'm in where he is available and didn't get drafted. Uh, I'm going to be in on him for the most part, unless I just am totally set at middle infield. Yeah, I'm uh, in complete agreement with you guys. So you said you got great radio here. Um the thing is, with, with these two, Scope was my most rostered player going into drafts after drafts last year. So that was stung, obviously. But it's for so many things that were mentioned, like the talent pool, the uh, his just his consistency before last year, year in and year out. And then, you, then Kevin, you mentioned the metrics. It's just like I'll buy back into that ADP ten out of ten times, and if he stinks, you just drop him. It's simple. Um, and then I like the bias idea. Just looking at it, like even last year, first year in the contract, he lowered his strikeout rate to almost below twenty five percent, which is insane for Javi Baez. And then you just look at his quality of contact metrics; they were just really bad. His bad was horrible. You can't imagine, you know, things can happen. We got to imagine there's, there's something back there. So Baez and Scope are two guys I'm really keeping an eye on and drafts at both positions. There could definitely end game picks at those positions, and uh, it is an interesting scenario. Let's go to the Houston Astros. You mentioned Jose Altuve, uh, Kevin. He's going to be out eight to ten weeks. It's going to seem, and he has to wait till all the swelling's done and all the good stuff to uh, to have said surgeries and everything. So he's having some fun there. But David Hensley seems to be the man of the hour. Uh, first caveat I will mention to anybody that plays the NFBC, he's util only right now. So that's kind of a, a bummer. But uh, he will gain second base eligibility. His ADP is 442, having a good spring, power speed guy. Um, are you guys looking to target a guy like David Hensley for the two months or so he'll be around? Adam. I mean, I don't see why not. Um, I, I've said it multiple times on our show. Like, if you can get a piece of the Houston lineup, you should. Simple as that. I mean, he might be, like you said, he might be at the bottom of the lineup. Um, but if he's if he's at the very bottom of the lineup, I'm, I'm 
I'm fine with that as well. He might not get as many plate appearances to Kevin's point um, earlier, but he's he's going to be at a position where he's going to score some runs because the top of that lineup is going to knock knock him in if he if he can get on pace. Um, he no, he's not going to be a target. He's, not, he's I'm not looking at him as being like a top 250 guy or anything like that. Um, but to our point about um, Jonathan Shoup, he's he's going to play every day. As simple as that. I mean. Um, Marcio Dubon, may, you know, might spell him every once in a while. I think um, if he's on if he's on that opening day roster, but I mean, Hensley seems to be the guy. It's basically an audition for him, and he he's a little older of a prospect if you want to still call him a prospect. Um, but I mean, he still went ten twenty last year in AAA uh, before getting you know some time in the majors as well. Um, and he, you know, this is not a so this is not an empty batting average play. Um, this is, I mean, he's almost like a Altuve light, very light (laughs) is because it's Altuve. Uh, but he still is going to produce, he's going to provide, um, probably like 80% of what Altuve brought to the table. Um, albeit lower in the, in the, in the, in the lineup. So, um, I wouldn't say he's necessarily a target of mine, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be gun shy if it gets to that point in the draft and he's still available and I need a middle infielder or, you know, a, a reserve second baseman on my bench. What about you, Kevin? How are you looking at the, uh, the Hensley target? Yeah. When I saw this in the rundown, I heard Adam's voice in my head say, when you can get a piece of the Houston Astros <laughs> lineup, you you grab it. And, and I agree with that. He's definitely in play here for me, especially where he's being taken um, as a hopefully middle infielder very soon. Um, one of those guys that we will have to uh, either put in a util spot, as you mentioned, for the first couple of weeks or probably first two scoring periods. So a week and a half. Uh, he might get there pretty quickly. Uh, and then, yeah, where he's going, why not? It's part of the Houston Astros lineup. And even at the bottom of the line, if he's playing every day in that nine spot, you know, per plate appearance, the nine spot is like the third best run scoring position in the lineup. Uh, but obviously you don't get as many plate appearances as you do at the top of the lineup. But it kind of it, it it brings those numbers up a little bit. So, Yeah. Houston Astros lineup, a guy that's going to play every day, probably. Yeah, he's on. Absolutely. Yep, I'm 100 with you. I think he's very, very intriguing. Another fallout there is Payne. He looks to be leading off. Tucker might bat second with Brantley out. Somebody that's more fantasy fun there as well. Let's talk about Jose Altuve real quick. Um, I narrowed it down just for this topic here. If you just do the last five drafts, so kind of since the injury took place, um, his ADP is 200. He's gone as low as 233. So my question will start with you, Kevin. How low does Jose Altuve have to be to take in a draft? Because for those that don't know, NFBC does not have IL spots. You have seven bench spots. And you already know Altuve's out at least two months probably. So how does that affect you, Kevin? I, I think that's about right. That's where I'd be considering it. And so like in uh, when he was still healthy and ready, Jose Altuve was in my queue in every draft I was in. I didn't get him in every draft I was in got him in some of the drafts I was in because I was ready to take him right at the spot where other people were as well. And now we're talking several rounds later and that's still the case. I would be in that same situation. And what about you, Adam? 
I mean, I'm just equating this to Bryce Harper. Um, right. I, I mean, that's basically the same thing, right? I mean, with the news that Harper is not, not going to go on the 60-day IL, that's a little intriguing, obviously. It's like, oh, maybe he could come back a little bit earlier. Uh, they're just keeping their options open in Philly, obviously. But Altuve and Harper, you know, going relatively at the same spot when healthy in drafts, you know, in, in anywhere between second and fourth round, depending on your draft. Um, and so they're probably going to miss the same or at least similar amount of time. Maybe Harper is out a little bit longer. Uh, but really, I, I'll use that as my benchmark. And right now, Harper is going around 228. He At least he did in these main, main event drafts. Uh, I mean, that's right around that same same spot for Altuve. I'm probably avoiding both of them, though. Um, I don't need to. If I'm going to be stashing somebody, I want them to be, you know, I want to have that option a little bit earlier than that. Yeah, that's my biggest problem. I'm, I'm not a, the best stasher in the world. I, I like to be moving around. Like like the great Vlad Stetler says, you want to churn and burn that that bench. So it's tough to do so. Because once you draft that Altuve or even a Harper, you ain't dropping them. So now you're down to six drafts, six bench spots, and that makes it quite interesting. Uh, let's go to a guy that's also kind of banged up but should be playing in Grapefruit League games this week, unless I'm, maybe he already is and I missed it. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, you know, the wrist issue. He's been hitting off a tee, taking BP. The Astros don't seem overly concerned. He had this last year, just didn't seem to linger this long per se. Uh, so, Adam, I'll feed it to you first here. How concerned are you with this? Because I've been naive and I just keep drafting him saying this dude if he's on the field is like a 300 hitter with like 40 plus home runs but he might not make it to the field which is starting to make me a little sketchier now so how do you look at Jordan Alvarez I mean I haven't drafted Jordan anywhere um and mostly just where I, I most of my drafts I've gone anywhere between sixth and you know 14th you know I'm in the back half of most drafts um and I'm usually targeting somebody a little bit more well-rounded in the first round and he's going in the first round right uh so I don't have him anywhere that being said, I probably wouldn't have been targeting him anywhere as well as the same concerns that I had with Eloy. And this is, we, we said all, we had all the same conversations last year, like to your point, like he had this wrist issue or he had a wrist issue. Um, obviously it was also the knees on top of that. Um, it didn't linger and he, you know, he was fine for the, for the most part, but we're having the same conversations again. And um, it's just not something that uh, I, I want to have to deal with. And it's the old adage. You can't win your draft in the first round, but you can't lose it. Um, and there's even, even though he could, if he produces what everybody expects him to produce, yeah, that's first round value, but there's a lot more. He, there's a lot more he could lose um, by missing time or sapping power or all those other narratives that you hear about. Um, that is just not, not the direction I'm going to go in. What about you, Kevin? How are you approaching uh, Jordan to come draft day? I, I'm kind of on the, same page as what the Astros are telling us. I, I'm not really concerned about the wrist. However, um, I'm not as worried that I may be missing out as I was because as great of a hitter as he is, you know, at the spot he was going in drafts uh, before this became a concern, late first round, even moving up into the middle of the first round, I'm usually going speed if I'm a guy that has speed unless I'm going an ace. So I, I don't feel, and I was like, man, maybe I should be getting some of the shares uh, Jordan Alvarez here. Uh, now I'm not quite as worried about that. Uh, at the same time, I'm not real worried about the injury. If I was drafting to drafting today and he slipped to 25, like he did in one of the main events, eh, I, I might have a tough decision on my hands, but typically I like to say, 
uh, if there's an injury concern, I want rounds of discount, not a few spots of discount. So I'm probably still out. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think just to jump on that a little bit, I mean, the question I would have for both of you guys is Jordan Alvarez or Mike Trout. I mean, because they have the same similar, the same reasons why Trout's being dropped into the second round are injury concerns. And yeah, of course, he's not running the way he probably could be. Um, and so, I mean, I probably pick Trout in most in most scenarios if it came down to it, especially at the the top or the middle of the second round. I don't know how you guys feel about that. If they're both available, I'm taking Trout every time because I think the Angels have figured out how to manage his back. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. Like, obviously, I say I have a lot of Jordan shares. So, A, I'd like to diversify right about now, get the portfolio <laughs> changed. But, um, B, I, as the draft season had gone on, I've looked more in the trout, more in the trout. And I kept going, man, he's going to like mid second round. That's ridiculous. Like, this dude legit should be, if, if like you said, if, if Jordan's a late first round pick, why is trout not there? That's what I started thinking to myself. And um, that's just the habits of drafting early and not doing all your research yet. And so as the season goes on, I'm like, yeah, Trout should be more of a focus than Jordan. So I'm with you on the Trout call. Last bit of Astros news. And the thing is, with some of these really good teams, we could have talked like a, a whole podcast play on the Astros, but we'll, we won't. Um, Hunter Brown. And it, I made this outline before he was scratched from his Wednesday Grapefruit League start. So I want to characterize that <laughs> with a uh, back tightness. But uh, we'll start with you, Kevin. Basically, what I wanted to know is how many innings do you think he pitches? Because that always plays into ADP, which right now is 171.6 in the NFBC. So, Kevin, what are you thinking for Hunter Brown, especially, I guess, to live up to his draft price? Yeah, the that scratch start hopefully is nothing uh, because I really like Hunter Brown. You know, it, we already have the Lance McCullers injury. That's getting him his shot. Uh, and... Other injuries will happen. Uh, his projected innings of just over 100 are are based on, it appears to be uh, 10 or 11 starts and 30 to 40 relief appearances. Well, if he's starting the season in the rotation and then there could be other injuries in the rotation. Projected for just over 100 innings by, by projections with, you know, just, just getting the double digit starts but he's going to be starting the season in the rotation. Other guys get injured. And on a per inning basis, he's projected to be quite a bit better than both Luis Garcia and Jose Urquidy. So he could run with this job. And if that's the case, he's not going 180, 200 innings yet. He's never pitched over uh, 126 last season is high, but 126 is enough to get us to 150, 160. So that's what I'm looking at, and that's actually probably what I expect. Okay. Yeah, no, it should be interesting. It's, uh, a good one is uh, Kode Singa is going right ahead of him, and that's got another injury, uh, innings interesting guy. But, um, Adam, how are you looking at um, Hunter Brown this year, innings-wise? I mean, I don't see who else the Astros are going to be pushing into that position with McCullers, you know, obviously hurt. Um, is Forrest Whitley, you know, fixed? Um, no, You know, maybe. But he, he looked okay in the spring, or at least he's had his moments. Um, I mean, they had Brandon Blaylock last year as well uh, come in for some for some starts as well. And these guys each have an option left. So they do have a, a couple pieces that they could come in and kind of fill some time, fill some gaps if they want to, like, limit Brown's innings or, um, you know, play some games. Um, but unless Brown, unless this scratch is anything more than, you know, just wanting to limit his innings in spring training, uh, which it very well could just be, um, 
I, I think that uh, like I echo what Kevin said. He's like he he could definitely run away with this. Uh, he obviously he's not going to get up to that 180 mark or anything like crazy like that. But um, I, I don't see the Astros having a lot of guys that are going to be pushing him out of that lineup as well. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like as long as he's healthy, it seems like it should be his to run with. Like you guys are saying, so I don't see a scenario that that, that changes that anytime soon, to say the least. Uh, let's go to the Kansas City Royals and the Young Royals and Kevin's Royals. We have a lot of fun stuff here, um, but I'll just keep it simple. You got MJ Melendez at ADP 112. You have Vinny P, ADP around 90. Based on ADP, everyone's hyped on both these guys, obviously. Based on ADP, Adam, who do you think returns the most value between Melendez and Vinny P? I mean, based on ADP and also based on position, um, I mean, I think it's mo- – I think is Melendez. Uh, I think it's just the fact that he's going to be playing every day, whether he's in the outfield or, I mean, I know Kevin, you talked about how he's basically only playing with an outfielder's glove um, in spring training. Um, he'll, I'm crossing my fingers because I've got him in a couple of places in dynasty keeper formats um, that, you know, he plays enough at, behind the plate where he, he c- continues to have catcher eligibility going into 2024, but talking strictly 2023, He's catcher now. That's all I care about. Um, I think that it's a, it's. I think it's a pretty easy call that, as far as position goes, in ADP is going a little bit later as well. He'll he'll provide me with more value based on those factors um, than Vinny P will. Not to say anything negative about Vinny P, uh, but just based on those factors, I'd be going Melendez. What about you, Kevin? Are you going Melendez or Vinny P based on ADP? Based on ABT. ADP, I, I am still Vinny Pasquantino uh, because as, as good as he was last year, it, it was a, a really slow start for quite a while. And even when it got better, we didn't see the power that we know he's capable of. Uh, the pre- projections have him, you know, mid to, to high teens and into the low 20s and home runs. And this is a guy that possibly this year definitely – within the next couple of years is going to approach and and probably hit 30 home runs with the great plate discipline he has and everything said. Uh, unfortunately, Adam, the one thing I will add on Melendez is I don't think he will be catcher eligible in 2024. He's the everyday left fielder. Freddie Furman is making this team as the backup catcher. Yeah. And uh, unless there is an injury to him or Salvador Perez, we might not see Melendez behind the plate a single time this season. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. 
When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wow, that is interesting news. I like that quite a bit. Uh, for me, it's I'm, I've got a ton of Melendez shares. Love Vinny P. Ton of Melendez shares. So it's uh, it's an interesting debate. That's why I asked it because we had two different answers, which is great. So very very intrigued to see how that one plays out. Go back to you on this one, Kevin. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. has been a very kind of polarizing name on the draft streets. Third base shortstop eligible is awesome in my mind. Uh, through the main event so far, ADP of ten point five. Are you a believer in this ADP, or do you think there's he should be maybe going second round per se early in draft season. I thought he should probably be going second round, but then, you know, I, I am one of those that believes that uh, Jose Ramirez is uh, the number one overall pick. And, and some of that has to do with what he can do as a third baseman. So as draft season went on and Bobby Witt jr. Kind of has stayed in that, you know, eight to 11 range, uh, depending on who you're drafting with, I I started grabbing him in a couple of spots. If he does what he did last season, that makes it worth the pick. There may be players that will return higher dollar value, but the fact that his value comes with 30 stolen bases uh, can make him worth that pick, depending on how you want to build your team. So with the third base eligibility, even though he's, as the Royals are saying, he's their shortstop, but he is third base eligible for this season. Uh, that uh, kind of swayed me as draft season went along, and I did start grabbing him in that spot. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. It's that that, that, that positional eligibility slash flexibility that makes a big game changer for me. And I think that, and he's still so young. Like, have we even seen the ceiling for Bobby Wood Jr.? That's my other question. So. I understand. I'm with you also, Kevin. Like early in draft season, I'm like, man, I'd rather have so many guys than like mm -hmm. what we saw here. But then again, that's why we do all the research. We do all the podcasts. We do everything. And the positional thing really started to stand out. Like we know third base stinks, but third base and shortstop MIC, I like, there's so much love in that scenario. So, Adam, how do you see Bobby Wood? Is he still like a top seven or eight pick for you or 10, I guess, right now? Or do you think he should be more in the second round? No, not that I think he should be in the second round, but I haven't grabbed him in the in the first. That's my thing. I'll, I'll specify too. I have no yeah. shares. Yeah, that's I, been I the hard part. The only share well, because only... Adam was smart enough to be grabbing him last season when I thought he was going too high as a Royals <laughs> fan. He was grabbing him and I wasn't. So he 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 got the good deal on Bobby Witt Jr. That's what that is a little part part of it. It's like right when you grab a great deal the year before and you get all that you know sweetness. You don't want to have to pay up for it the next year. I mean, <laughs> um, no, but I mean, the it's all based on the positional flexibility here. 
It's the dual eligibility in the corner, the middle, uh, what he brings to the table at the third, everything Kevin said there. Because if he was any, if he was any one position, even even if it was just third base, I think he'd be going closer to Michael Harris. Like he'd be, he's in the same kind of realm. He brings the the similar uh, profile to the table um, and in and stats what, what he's going to um, volume his way up. Um, whether or not he volumes his way up into closer to, you know, 200 combined RBIs and, and runs, I think that's the biggest question um, on that Royals team. It, yes, it's getting a lot better. Um, it, we, we just talked about Melendez. We talked about Vinny P. Um, but I, I question whether or not he'll get into that, you know, double, uh, triple digits in either runs or RBIs um, in that lineup. So with that being said, like, yeah, I don't have any shares. If he dropped to the turn in, in a certain situation, I might I would have to definitely uh, think about it because you know if he's gonna you got to get him in the second round, you got to push him up. Even if you think he's a more of a middle second round pick, um, if that's what you're going for, um, obviously he's a third baseman. If you draft him anywhere at that range, you're not drafting him to be your starting shortstop most likely. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've I, the only piece only exposure I have to him was in the very early pitcherless mock draft. <laughs> I did pick him at pick twelve. That was back in early October before, uh, you know, as playoffs were just starting. So um, I, I had to reevaluate it ever since that one. All right, let's go to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. This one kind of stood out to me because Logan O'Hoppy, a guy I love, I was drafting him a ton of spots earlier in the season, but then. If you listen to beat writers, you listen to the manager, you listen to anybody on play, Max Stassi is the starter. They want to get Matt Theis there he's out of options. And everything I've seen, unless it's changed magically somewhere, is Logan O'Hoppy starting the year in AAA, unless something weird's happening. Um, you guys can totally clarify if I'm wrong. His ADP so far in the main events, 283.9, as high as 260, as low as 330. Now, yes, roster resource still has him as a starting catcher. I just checked that. That's interesting. But it's a, a big, big question mark for a guy that's going off the board in the middle of the catcher's pack in a two-catcher league. So, Adam, how are you looking at Logan O'Hoppy? Because I love the talent. If he was guaranteed to start, he'd be almost a top 10 or 12 catcher for me. But I don't even know if he's making the roster on opening day. So how are you looking at him? Yeah, I got three pieces of the pie here um, in early, early drafts with the ex- expectation that he was either the starting or, you know, had the majority of the playing time there. And then same thing as, you know, you start listening to more people. I'll give a shout out to the fantasy baseball beat. Those guys, um, as they were doing their their Angels episode, um, they talked about how Hoppy's not the starter. Simple as that. And this was before any question of whether or not he was going to make the team. At the very least, he's not the starter, even if he's on the team. Uh, I pulled back drastically on if, my targets of him. Um, same thing could be said about Bo Naylor in Cleveland. Um, yep. I, you know, I was targeting him a lot earlier in drafts. Um, and I'm, I'm still okay with, I got him on a gladiator. I think I had both of these guys on the same gladiator team, which is really unfortunate. Um, cause there's nothing I could do in April at the very least. Um, if they're both not on the team and obviously Naylor's already been sent down. Um, so yeah, Hoppy's not somebody I'm looking at. Um, might be somebody I'm looking at at a free agent bid. If he, you know, shows that he's playing every day or getting the call to your point, if he's not on the team, um, obviously the talent is there and he's shown it and he was the, you know, the key aspect of a trade, um, with Philadelphia coming over. And he's the reason why he's, you know, was that, that centerpiece of that trade. He's the catcher of the future in Anaheim, assuming that, you know, they, you know, get him back on the roster. What about you, Kevin? This is, it's like, yeah, it's just tough for me to draft him right here. 
Yeah, I echo everything you guys said. The concern for me is where we drafted him. Are we stashing him? That's yeah, the concern. That's where I'm question. at. It's it's hard to carry a third catcher. Yeah, I I think this first week, unless I'm I have a roster that's been totally decimated, I'm hanging on, and and we'll see what happens. But as soon as we get into the first couple full weeks of the season, that's going to be our decision. And unfortunately, being a catcher, we might have to let him go. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah, it's a great point. That's one of those going to be those tough decisions. And then you just kind of have to hope you listen to the fantasy beat or some other beat writer somewhere that kind of give you a heads up. Hey, you know, he's tearing it up and blah, blah, blah. Are you saying like kind of be ahead a week ahead of the game, hopefully, because he's going to be a stud. And I really believe that full heartedly in this scenario. So it's just a matter of when, if not, if for me, uh, the other fun in LA is Reed Detmers is the man of the hour in spring training. We saw the second half last year. You know, he came back from the minors, uh, a low threes ERA, striking out everybody, still walked a bit too many people, but not bad. The slider usage, blah, 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 blah. We've all heard it. We all know the story. This spring velocity's up. He's looking almost even better. So, Kevin, we are now paying the price. The helium is at 141.9, which is going around Luis Garcia, Jomo, Dustin May, Charlie Morton. How are we feeling about that when it comes to uh, Reed Detmers? Yeah, he's right in that range where I like him better than a couple of guys going ahead of him, but I like a couple of guys behind him maybe a little more than I like Detmers. So it's probably the right spot, and I think it it would depend on the draft for me. Pretty wide range for this early in the draft, you know, with a min of 125 and a max of 172. Almost a 50-pick difference when you're inside the top 150, Pretty wide range, so it would really depend on the draft and and how if the guys right around him have already been taken or not. But I I, I think he's in play where he's going for sure. Yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting spot for sure. What about you, Adam? How are we looking at Reed Detmers? Yeah, I'm jumping in easy. Um, the water's warm here with Reed Detmers <laughs> based on everything we've seen, uh, <laughs> all the things that you mentioned, Bubba, and uh, I mean to Kevin's point, just to name some names, it's like he's going. I mean, in these main events, at least. Uh, he's going after Charlie Morton. I would take Detmers over Morton. Um, he's going after Freddie Peralta. I'm going to take him over Freddie Peralta with all the concerns you might have with him and the innings he puts it forth. Uh, he's going after Giolito. I mean, I think I put him in the same boat as Giolito. They're kind of like meeting in the middle. Like Giolito is jumping up for different reasons um, as he's coming back. And Detmers is kind of following him for you know the fact that he's taking those next steps. The slider usage, obviously, as he when he came back from his stint in AAA last year um, and reworked that. Um, I would take him over Rasmussen, Drew Rasmussen, just because of the the K upside. I think that Reed Detmers has, um, and right up there with Joe Ryan. I mean, Joe Ryan and Detmers is probably a nice little toss up um, that I'm the decision you'd have to make at that point in the draft. And Ryan has the ADP of 126, so good 20 picks prior to where Detmers was going in these main events. But um, I'm in on Detmers for sure. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I'm worried about him getting even more helium. That's the concern. Yeah, I have. Like sure. Eventually, it's going to get to a point like if he gets closer to 100, like you're starting to talk Chris Sale versus Reed Detmers. I'm not saying Detmers is going to go 40 more picks, but I wouldn't be shocked at the same time. Someone in, I guarantee you, someone in Vegas takes him in like around pick 100. That will happen. And that's when it gets interesting, to say the <laughs> least. Um, Minnesota Twins, the yearly question on every preseason oh, podcast. Geez. Byron Buxton, everybody, ADP of about 88, 89 right now. Adam Howe, 
are you taking the gamble on Byron Buxton this season? I, I never have, and I probably never will. Um, as simple as that. I mean, it's a simple conversation. We have, <laughs> we have this conversation every year, like you talked about. Yep. Um, I get it. It's like you pick him at pick 80, he can provide you with pick 12 value. We we all get that. He just, he won't. <laughs> yeah. I'll just get right to the point. Like, he won't do it. Um, you know, I'm not planting a flag here. This isn't rocket science. It's like, it doesn't have to be difficult. Um, Scott Chuo said it doesn't have to be rocket science here. Uh, it, there's, it just, I need to see it. Simple as that. Yeah. What about you, Kevin? How are we feeling about uh, Buxton this year? This is pretty simple for me. If you play in one or two fantasy baseball leagues, don't touch him. If you play in multiple, like that some of us do, I want him on a team or two. And, and, and that's it's that simple for me. Yeah. Uh, and the, the biggest thing for me is, yeah, if you do a bunch of teams, I definitely would have something sprinkled in there. But mm-hmm. he's a different player now. He doesn't run as much. And that's where the, I guess, intrigue kind of is slowly leaving the building for me, if that makes sense, compared to what it was before. Like we were talking 30-30, dude. And I think we'd be happy if we got 30-10 right now. That's a, a big difference with uh, with Byron Buxton. Like, if he steals even less bases, what's the difference between Byron Buxton and Giancarlo Stanton? Um, it, it, I don't, I'm not trying to, like, hot take it here, but that's kind of where my head's at, trying to figure out what I want to do with Byron Buxton, basically. And for me right now, he's off the board, but everyone's got a price, as the million-dollar man once said. So. Yeah. We'll see I mean, how that goes. To echo a little bit of that and to give my give a little plug to something that I've, I've worked on recently. Um, I, I, I recently, over the offseason, did a lot of research on stolen bases and, and the intent that, that runners have on the base pass um, and the kind of the situations in which they do run and don't run. Um, and I was able to work with Kyle Bland over at PitcherList, our director of analytics. Smart guy. Smart guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> a big <laughs> core piece of PLV as well. Um <laughs> But uh, we were able to put together uh, an equation that basically uh, calculated expected stolen base attempts and then uh, put together a stat that we call brag, uh, base running aggressiveness. And <laughs> to put it this way, like a zero is at, you know, like it's, they're as aggressive as you would expect them to be. Um, anything in negative means that, you know, they're not running where you think that they should be. And anything positive is they're running a lot more than you think that they should be. Uh, Buxton, negative 52% um aggressiveness on the base pass um with a, you know he attempted uh six stolen bases last year should have doubled that um okay. based on the situations he was put in his talent level his speed uh the pitchers that was on the mound etc etc so yeah simple like just in the same reign as trout it's like he could be running because of his talent he's just not for other risky reasons and buxton is exactly that situation yeah, it, it's interesting to say the least watching him. Um, Jorge Polanco injury might not be ready for regular season, which sucks. But that brings his ADP down to around 200 right now, which I guess, unlike Altuve, who's around 200, um, Polanco shouldn't miss too much time. Obviously, Altuve is a better player. Not going to go down that rabbit hole. But Kevin, are you interested in a Jorge Polanco around pick 200, especially with that second base landscape? It's getting real ugly real quick. Yeah, they're they're calling it normal soreness in his knee. In spring training, <laughs> right? What's what's normal maybe? about that, yeah. right? So I wake up sore every morning. Yeah, and I call that normal. Yes, yeah. You know, and 
we talked about Jonathan's scope earlier, and I I had been thinking uh, that of Polanco kind of in that light, but he's going 200 picks earlier, right? So I, it, it's tough. It's tough. If un, until they started, you know, saying he may not be ready for opening day due to soreness in his knee. Uh, this this is exactly where you'd start thinking about him, right? Still, in these main events, he's went as late as as pick 251. However, he's being drafted as a starting second baseman, not middle infielder, second baseman. And I just don't know if I can go there. There's a couple guys later uh, that I have been drafting. I, I, I think Whit Merrifield's going to play every day. I know a lot of people don't think so i think he's going to be in the lineup most days for toronto I'm starting he's to going later well, by the way yeah uh you know and then there's we got old boring guys that may not have you know and polanco is one of those himself you know gene segura in miami sure that's gonna bring down his power numbers a little bit that ballpark but yeah i i think for right now that I, I don't believe there's anything normal about normal soreness this time of year uh, for a guy his age. So, yeah, I'm out here. Yeah, he's going to be 30 this season. God, that's crazy. Um, but, yeah, like that big drop-off last season, let alone the injury concerns. Adam, how are you looking at Jorge Polanco? I mean, I think I'm looking at Polanco the same way a lot of people who who rostered him last year. I don't think I had a lot of Polanco, but, uh, I mean, the adage is, like, you burn me once, shame on you know, shame on you, burn me twice, shame on me or whatever. Um, and I think that's how a good majority of people were looking at him. If you rostered him last year, a lot of other people are trying to take advantage of that fact, letting him drop. But now on this, on top of that is just, you know, he, he's, he's off my board um, or he had been for a while. And this definitely takes him off my board as well. Um, too much risk at the beginning of the season. I want to make sure that anybody who's in my starting lineup or I'm drafting in, as such, um, is going to be in my starting lineup um, in the first week of the season. And I don't know that about Polanco now. Yeah, I'm pretty much out on him as well. I kind of wish he wasn't getting hurt. His ADP was higher, but uh, so be it in that yep. scenario. Well, last question here with the Minnesota Twins. We'll start with you, Adam. How are you assessing the closing situation? Like, Johan Duran, they pretty much said he's going to be the high leverage guy. Obviously, that means he still will get saves, but he might not be there every day. Jorge Lopez has his moments. I'm a late round DC Griffin Jacks fan. Um, there's a lot of actually talent in this bullpen. I don't know what closing talent outside of like Duran is in this bullpen. So, Adam, how are you approaching this come draft day when, with the Minnesota Twins? I'm not. Um, <laughs> Very fair. Uh, but if I had to, uh, I, I'd probably lean toward Lopez. I mean, I just think that he's not he he's going to be the, quote, closer. To your point, Duran's going to be the fireman. He, you're right. He's going to get some saves. He's going to get in there. He's obviously the most talented pitcher. Um I hope he's okay. I haven't seen any update, but I know he got a liner off the leg. Kirilov uh, hit him in the leg um, earlier this week. Um, I would assume that since I haven't heard anything major from that, that he's he's going to be fine. Um, but that would definitely even lead me toward Lopez even more so just with the experience. Obviously, Lopez did not do himself any favors with his production when he went to Minnesota last year compared to what he did in Baltimore. Um, but I do believe he would be the guy that will get the majority of the chances at the end of games early on in the season. Now, how that flushes out throughout the course of the season is anybody's guess. Um, you know, I, I'm also a fan of Giovanni, Giovanni uh, Moran. Um, he's not going to get saves here, but he is somebody I'm targeting in the early going of the season um, as I think he's going to vulture some wins as 
Minnesota has had a name for themselves to be the guy, the, the team that, you know, doesn't let teams, the pitchers go, you know, twice through the order or more than twice through the order. Or they pull them before the fifth inning. Um, it was very frustrating for those of us who rostered twin starters uh, for a while. But that does provide an opportunity for somebody in the bullpen with talent to be the first man up and vulture those wins. And I think Moran could do that early on in the season. Um, obviously not somebody that's going to be closing out games with his rookie status, um, but he, he is in the same kind of mold as Duran where, you know, he's got great stuff. He doesn't walk a ton of guys, though. Um, so somebody I'd be, you know, just want to give a call out to from that bullpen. That's a good call. What about you, Kevin? How are you approaching this Twins bullpen? Uh, I'm not either. Uh, I'm not, I I love Duran. I, I love what he does, but uh, with the risk that he may not get uh, a whole lot of saves, I, a, a guy like this is, is fine for me because everything else will be great, right? He's not going to hurt you, and he's going to be better than uh, a seventh starter on most fantasy rosters. So I don't have a problem using him as my third reliever. Uh, but the, there's a guy I like a lot more than him. We're going to talk about in a little bit, going about a round later. So uh, it, when when and I have, I'll be dipping my toes in there. So yeah, I haven't, I don't have any exposure to the to the Twins bullpen. Yeah, kind of like Adam was saying, I've taken a few shots on Lopez super late, like as extra relief depth per se. But it's not a bullpen I'm looking to get too excited about. Uh, let's talk about the New York Yankees Bronx Bombers here. And this is just a fun one because, you know, everyone's got an opinion on it. So we might as well on this show. Um, Oswald Peraza, ADP of 308.8 versus Anthony Volpe, ADP of 203, 100 picks sooner. Personally, I'll just say it flat out. Uh, I think Peraza starts and Volpe starts in AAA. That's my two cents. So this ADP is very shocking to me. Kevin, how do you foresee this shortstop situation playing out, uh, especially based on drafting? Would you take a chance on either of these guys? Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I think we probably should. I agree with you. And, and so I, I don't have any Peraza shares, and I probably am going to wish I had, especially at the very affordable cost. Uh, and I did draft Volpe in, in a spot or two, uh, go a little later than, than where he's going now. But it, it's, it's still, it's really interesting to me. And, and this goes back to a little bit when we were talking Tigers. I said I agreed with you about uh, both players that we were talking about with both of you, but I didn't really mention Javi Baez. Uh, the, the reason that, that I, I like Baez there is because of who's going after him, right? When, and and when, you, when you get past Javi Baez – at the shortstop position, you got Estrada, but he's being drafted as a top 12 second baseman, right? So then the next two shortstops coming off the board are Tovar and Volpe. And so that is why I like Javi Baez, because I don't think I can want to count on either one of these guys, including Volpe, because I agree. Um, I'm going to wish I had more shares of Peraza because it, he played, you know, better than people probably realize last season and starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. Pretty dang good lineup. I'm going to wish yep. I had more of them. Yep. With that speed, that lineup, that could be a big boy stuff. If he plays the whole season, I think he will personally. I'm biased though. Uh, what do you think on this one, Adam? How are you approaching the Yankees shortstop situation, especially with a hundred pick differential in ADP? Yeah, that's a big differential. Um, I do have plenty of exposure to Volpe. Um, 
not at the 200 mark. Um, I'll give him that, but uh, I would say that I, I, I'm of the opinion that Volpe very well could be the starting shortstop um, opening day. If for no other reason, the Yankees are giving him every opportunity in spring training to prove that he leads the team in plate appearances. Uh, he, he pretty much leads the team in every statistical <laughs> number that you could, uh, you could look up. Um, and so he is kind of forcing the issue. We saw this with Julio Rodriguez last year. We kind of saw it with Tatis when he broke camp, um, you know, a couple years ago with the, with the Padres. Um, and when a team wants somebody to succeed, they give them those opportunities. He's leading off pretty much every day uh, for the Yankees in Tampa. Um, and so, I mean, I've, I, I I don't necessarily disagree with the fact that there's probably more value to be had at this ADP uh, with Peraza, um, but I do I, I do think the Yankees want Volpe to be their you know their shortstop of the future, and they want if he's proving that he could provide them with an opportunity to win Rookie of the Year and get them the compensation draft pick because he is on all those uh, top prospect lists and he would qualify. Um, they may be tempted to do so. Something also to keep in mind that. A lot of people say, well, like, well, if you, you know, it's, it's a debate between winning that pick or uh, keeping them down for a little bit and gain that year of eligibility. They can do both. They can they can have him start on opening day. And then if he if he if he doesn't do well enough to justify a call down or push them back down to the minors in season, they can get that extra year of eligibility by doing that um, in season as well. A phantom IL stint in the minors working on defense, whatever words they want to use, they can send them down in May for three weeks and then gain that extra eligibility. So there's, the teams still have a, the ability to manipulate as much as they really want to. That's, that's a great point as well. And I think with the Yankees, as we know, and you guys have mentioned, they're getting old in certain spots. So there's some injuries <laughs> that take place that would not shock anybody in this situation and it's not dj lemay he's still floating around there i don't know what to do with him on draft day but that's just a whole nother situation uh let's go to giancarlo stan i just like bringing him up because i don't know if i just like have a soft spot for giancarlo i know he's hurt a lot i get it but even when he's healthy he just mashes baseballs and the reason i want to bring him up for discussion here is we're not paying a premium anymore his adp is 153 he's gone as low as 179 like if this dude somehow played 100 to 120 games, I think he could pay off a 153. And God forbid he stays healthy for 130 or 140, we could see a monster season and play a lot of what ifs, a lot of what ifs. I get it. But Adam, what's your thoughts on Giancarlo? Now that we're not paying a premium, like I said, is he in play at this ADP range? Um, yeah, I, I would, I would, especially coming from me, I've got seven pieces of the pie here out of my 15. So he's on 50% of my teams, uh, throughout the course of draft season. Um, I mean, I'm of the opinion that if we do see that closer to dead in ball that we saw, um, two years ago, that, you know, power is going to be a little bit more of a premium and regardless of what kind of ball you throw, uh, Stanton's way, he's going to hit the ball far and hard simple as that you could throw a beach ball made of nothing but air he'll still find a way to kick that out of the park um and so i mean i i'm all in not all in i mean i i get it the injury concerns is there um but him and judge were doing yoga right so they're better now so that's uh, that's, that's all you need um and he obviously showed that he you know he can he can stay healthy long enough to be useful um, and so I'll play the games with him on my on my bench and, and hit him out as long as he's not going to be out for, you know, months at the time. 
um, I'm, I'm willing to take that, that, that I'll use that stash spot on my bench, um, to hold on to him for his, you know, 14 day, 21 day, uh, IL stints that are probably going to happen. They're bound to happen. Uh, what about you, Kevin? How are you approaching Giancarlo Stanton? Uh, I, I like this. I like this spot for Stanton. I, I think the batting average rebounds, uh, that was big, big, up drop for him compared to what he usually posts in most seasons. And he had over 30 home runs and only four 150 plate appearances last year. So, and, and we know it's not like, um, it's not a, a managing an injury thing. Ty- typically he's going to play most days so we can have him in our lineup when he misses time, it's going to be a DL stint so we can get somebody in his spot. Uh, and with, you know, the, the, there's a lot of talk about the depth of outfield, especially in five outfielder leagues. But if I'm really trying to make sure I got a third baseman, because a lot of people think we're short there, I think some of the later third basemen are probably better than we thought earlier in the offseason. Uh, and, and, but second base really drops off. Like I said, Tyro Estrada is a starting second baseman in 12-team leagues. So if you're covering other positions and you realize, oh, wow, uh, I only have one outfielder and I need five of them. Uh, yeah, I like Gio Carlos Stanton here and Hunter Renfro going right in front of him. Love trying to double tap those two guys if I can, uh, really because nice I agree with what Adam said about the ball. And these are the types of guys where the ball isn't going to matter much when we're talking about home run power. Yeah, that's a great point. It will not matter with those gentlemen. Uh, let's go to the starting rotation with the Yankees. Obviously, we all love Garrett Cole. Severino's had a rough spring. Domingo Herman, huh, question marks. Clark Schmidt, lots of hype, no doubt about it there. And then you got Nestor Cortez. So, Kevin, on draft day, which one of these guys are you uh, interested in besides Garrett Cole? I don't think any of them at, at their price. Uh, I've That's been passing I on this all question. these guys. I think it's yeah. more surprising than most. Yeah, I, I I really I I don't have shares of any of these guys with with their different concerns and, um, yeah, I, I I haven't drafted any of them. What about you, Adam? How are you looking at the uh, starting pitchers outside of Garrett Cole with the I mean, Yankees? I mean, Clark Smith, somebody I will be targeting in the first Fab run for those leagues that drafted early, and he wasn't even a consideration just because True. he has the spot. Um, but I'm probably not drafting him at his elevated cost. Um, the one guy that I'm I'm most interested in, even today, is not on this list, and it's Carlos Rodon. Um, I like I'm willing cool. to take that risk with his depreciated um, ADP. Um, a, a hope and then hoping he's not missing more than you know two starts into the regular season um which is what you know he kind of alluded to um early on so uh rodan would be somebody i'd be targeting more and taking advantage of the depreciated cost and again stashing him for the first you know couple weeks of the season hoping he comes back um as good as as good as ever um but the rest of these guys yeah i'm probably unless they're available on the wire um i'm, I'm probably not paying up for them yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Rodon's interesting. I actually had that dilemma about 10 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and someone sniped him two picks before me, thank goodness, because I was literally staring at him going. I love it when the decision's made for me. Yeah, he, was, he was like 40 picks past ADP. I literally was looking up his news information, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting now. So, yeah, that took it out of my control. Um, but, yeah, I'm with it. I'm with you, Adam. Like, as he's falling in ADP, it's like that's one of the premises to a lot of these questions we're asking. Like, are the prices right, basically? And 
if Rodon, it's a big if because he could come back and get hurt again immediately. We don't know really the significance of this injury, but if we're trusting reports and he misses two to three starts, so you still get, say, 25 to 27 starts from Rodon at now a depleted ADP, like an 80 to an 85 ADP, maybe he goes around Chris Sale. Here you go. Quick, quick answer. Adam, Chris Sale or Carlos Rodon? Ooh, that, that, no, that's a good one. I would say I, I probably, I'll probably end up taking Chris Sale because he's there. Um, he's in the lineup. Um, he's in the rotation. He's going to start game two of the of the regular season, and we'll go from there. But it is, it's a little tougher. Yeah, what about you, uh, Kevin? I agree. I would per- prefer Rodon when healthy, obviously, but uh, Chris Sale is healthy right now, so I agree. Yep, it's an interesting dilemma, and I could see that being played out on draft day. All right, as I literally – I'll read verbatim what I put on the outline here. Oakland Athletics, I'll keep this short and sweet. What A's are you seriously interested in on draft day, Kevin? Uh, actually, probably more than than many in would a, think. In a deep um, league, I give you that much. There's going right. to be more than I'm giving credit. Uh, I like Seth Brown, not as much as I liked him last year when I was getting him much later. Uh, in DCs, I like Langdeleers, but like I mentioned earlier, it, with when it's coming to catchers, I don't like carrying a third catcher, and he's UT only to start the season. Uh, but I do have a lot of Asturi Ruiz. Uh, most of it from earlier in draft season when he was going a little bit later. Uh, I think as long as he stays in this lineup and even gets anywhere close to a 300 OBP, uh, his stolen bases are going to be off the charts. Yep, I'm with you there. I have a lot of Estery early, not so much late. Uh, Adam, what are you doing with Oakland? Are you just like saying screw it and passing, or do you actually have interest in the Oakland Athletics? I've got a couple pieces of uh, Shea Langliers, and yeah. and this is both in Fab Leagues and in, in DC styles, um, only because I do expect him to gain that catcher eligibility rather quickly, um, and he makes a pretty solid catcher too in yeah. most in most situations. Um, in, in at least one of my leagues, you know, I drafted Langliers um, and ended up doubling him up with like Omar Narvaez just because the Mets have so many games to start the season. Um, so I'm at least going to have that stash. And and with Manny Pena uh, dealing with his own ish- issues um, at catcher uh, for the, for the A's as the backup catcher, um, I would expect Langoliers to get that eligibility quicker than I think we might've thought earlier. Thought it might take maybe three weeks to get, get that eligibility. Uh, he might get it within the first two weeks, if not sooner than that. Um, and so Langoliers is, is, pretty much my target i think i have uh, a piece of uh danny jimenez here or there just because they were they did announce that he would be the favorite to be the closer there and even bad teams have who have a dedicated closer can still provide you with saves uh let's not forget that including the a's <laughs> they are going to win games uh, they're probably going to win them by you know two to three runs at most um and so he'll be an, obviously he's an easy cut in a fab league um, as well. And so um, those are pretty much my, my two top guys from the A's. Yeah, we're similar. Like I liked the Ruiz early uh, Langoliers. Definitely. If you can hold them, I agree with everything you guys said on him. I think there's a lot to like there. Seth Brown will get some love there. There's moments for Seth Brown in that scenario. So I, I think he's an option as well. Other than that, I, I struggle, struggle. With the <laughs> um Seattle Mariners. Now, this is a fun team. Another team we oh, like yeah. to talk a lot more about than just what we're going to do here. But we'll talk big thumper out the gate. Cal Raleigh, uh, monster season last year. Power was great. Batting average, not so much. And that's my only concern. That's why I want to bring him up. 
is there's a lot of other catchers that provide power, maybe not Raleigh power, but close to it around his catcher range. But they all have a better batting average than Kyle Raleigh. And that could change this year. He could be a much better hitter, too. That, that's definitely on the table. His ADP is 178.1 so far this draft season. Are you interested in a Cal Raleigh at that ADP, Adam Howe? I should be. Um, I haven't been, but I, I should be, especially if I want to. If I'm the type that wants to wait until that point to be to be my C1, um, I'm probably not interested in him as my C2 at that price. If that makes sense, like if I paid up and got a Varsho or a Rio Muto, um, or even you know in the hundred ranger with MJ Melendez or what have you. Um, I'm probably either double tapping in that 100 range, either trying to grab like a Sean Murphy and a Melendez back to back or something like that. And then obviously I'm not going to get a third catcher. Um, And if I paid up for somebody, I'm probably waiting longer than 171. um, If I'm like the stars and scrubs types. Um, But if I waited for until the 170 range for my C1, I get it. I totally get it. I think what's, I think the average, especially with catchers is a little overblown for a catcher that doesn't play as often as say, you know, MJ Melendez or Varsho are expected to play in, in multiple positions. Um, the, the ratios don't play as hard when you're not putting up the same amount of at-bats. Um, I mean, same could be said about Juan Soto, you know, <laughs> shout out Rob DiPietro for putting True. that out months ago. Um, and so it doesn't hurt as hard when you're batting 220, when you're only putting up, you know, when you're putting up less than 500 at-bats in the, in the season. Um, so there's something to be said for that. Um, I don't think I have any shares of Raleigh, and and it's mostly just because of the way I've drafted most of my teams. That's fair. It's very, very fair. Kevin, how would you look at the big thumper? Love him. Love him. Uh, in, in in leagues where I get in a, a bad, bad spot and uh, miss out on, on the early catchers, uh, I, I'm happy with him as a catcher one. Uh, in other leagues, I'm on the opposite of Adam. I love grabbing him as a catcher too, no matter who my first catcher is. Uh, I think the batting average is coming up. Projections give him a little bit of a, a raise in batting average, uh, but uh, they could come up even even a little more. And as, as you mentioned, both of you, the, the, even if he hits 220, just a little better than last year, in 415 plate appearances, he only had 370 at bats so he's projected for 450 or so plate appearances this season which is a lot for a catcher when we're playing that we want at bats game that's quite a bit that's a large share of at bats for a catcher uh he's still only going to have around 400 at bats because he had a nine percent walk rate last year and he's projected for almost an eight percent walk rate this season so that even helps on top of the less plate appearances he walks a decent amount for a catcher as well I, I love Cal Raleigh. Yeah, I, I'm I'm slowly getting more on board with him where I was not as big on a Raleigh guy out the gate. I'll be 100% honest. So it is becoming uh, much more intriguing for me and palatable for me as it goes on. As, and one of the points Adam mentioned is we, we talk about the um, the catcher's position. Should we, be, should we be as worried about him at the, at the batting average comment? Probably not. So definitely something I like there with Raleigh. More Seattle Mariners talk here. They have some fun pitchers. Logan Gilbert, Luis Castillo, George Kirby, Robbie Ray, all have fantasy relevance, all kind of going within like it feels like 40-ish picks apart, give or take. So they're all – that kind of shows you how good they are on paper. Um, Kevin, let's start with you. 
for fantasy wise, rank them one through four. And I have a feeling I know who your fourth is, but rank them <laughs> one through four, please. Absolutely. You do know who my fourth is. Uh, Luis Castillo is one uh, in, in leagues where I wait on pitching. I, I have him as my SP one on a team or two, and I'm fine with that. I, I'm taking Logan Gilbert over George Kirby uh, only for the simple fact that uh, I, I'm a little worried about how many innings Kirby can stretch out to because it appears to me he wore down a little bit last season in spite of how great he looked in the postseason. Uh, towards the end of the season, he got rocked a couple of times by really bad lineups. And so I'm wondering if he wore down a little bit. So I'm a little concerned about him getting up into that 180 inning range. Uh, so I put Gilbert above Kirby, but love them both. What about you, Adam? How are you looking at the uh, the pen here? Or the starting rotation? I'm sorry. really tempted to put Robbie Ray first just, <laughs> just because. Just for fun. Uh, no, I mean, uh, a couple years ago, I had Robbie Ray everywhere. Um, before, the year to have him, right? Yeah, yeah. the year to have him. Um, and then obviously, I, I didn't want to pay up for him after his Cy Young year. But um, of these guys, I mean, I'm, I've been all over Luis Castillo, um, it, especially where he's going. I think he is undervalued in most drafts um, in general. Uh, he's my, uh, he's, he's my AL Cy Young pick. Um, I threw five bucks on him on DK just because, uh, why not? Um, and so he'd be my number one and I've got him in a bunch of places and I'm pretty happy about it. Um, regardless of what, you know, you might've seen in the last like start or two in spring training. Um, my number two here is probably Robbie Ray. And it's, it's, it really has to do with the volume and the strikeouts, um, and, you know, adding the new pitch and, and, and just what he's been showing in spring training, both the results on, on the paper and just you know, with the velocity readings and the, and, and the new pitch uh, usage. And we'll see how that translates into the regular season. We see guys do that all the time where they introduce new pitches in spring training that we never see them again um, in the regular season. Uh, but if it's successful, uh, there's not really a reason not to do that. Um, Kirby is a really close, uh, number three here for me. Um, just the the we don't see the type of control um, out of out of pitchers that Kirby shows, and he's shown that throughout his minor league career, his entire professional career. Um, like you hear the whole Shane Bieber comps um, from from the get go, um, and I can see him racking up more strikeouts because of that, know, knowing where he can throw the ball at any given time. Um, Gilbert's my number four. I, it's not for any particular reason. I'm not like. This is an amazing rotation to be targeting in general. Mm -hmm. If you can do a Seattle Mariner stack, I'm not going to hold it against you whatsoever. Um, and but Gilbert by default ends up being my four here. Yeah, for me, it's Castillo, Ray, Gilbert, Kirby. But like you said, bottom line is it's an amazing grouping that could go a million different directions. So that's what makes it a, a ton of fun in those regards. Um, another question here with Seattle, another fun one is how are you attacking the bullpen? Like Paul Seawald seems to be the guy. You got Andres Munoz, really good leverage situation. There's other talented relievers in, in that bullpen. So Adam, how are you uh, going with this Seattle situation? I lean Seawald. I think I've got a couple pieces of Seawald here or there. Um, I know that the popular early pick in the early draft season was Munoz to kind of take over. And I think, a lot of people saw that, you know, 
acquisition of him being as the the closer of the future but seawald is like almost like the face of that bullpen right he's just become he's out there a lot more um obviously we you know we all heard him talk with alex fast during PitchCon, and that was a great interview if you haven't you can go back and look at re, uh, listen to that both through the talking pitching podcast or through the uh PitchCon um video on our on the pitch pitcherless youtube channel besides that though i mean he's he stepped forward. He's he's a closer. Simple as that. He's he's got the talent. Uh, he's got the opportunity. Um, sure, there will be there will be situations where they say, "Oh, we want him in this situation in the eighth inning to you know face off against X, Y, and Z," um, and we'll put Munoz in the ninth. And they've got other options in that bullpen as well that could step forward. They has enough depth where they felt fine to send Eric Swanson out um, to Toronto uh, to bring in a bat, and so we all kind of see what the value of, you know, high end relievers have been on the market, not only uh, the free agent market, but also on the trade market. Um, And so for them to feel as though they could, you know, part with that, obviously they feel confident in the rest of the bullpen to kind of step up in those situations. So I'm going after Steelwald as the primary closer here, um, though I do, I won't, I'm not going to sit here and see him come in in the eighth inning and be like totally surprised. What about you, Kevin? How are you looking at Seattle's bullpen? Yeah, this is who I was referring to when we were talking Twins bullpen. I uh, Andres Munoz is my second most rostered player in, in the 14 NFBC drafts I've done. I have him on over half of my rosters. Uh, I don't quite have the Doug Dennis love that we saw in Arizona, but I'm pretty close uh, on Andres Munoz here. Um, and I'm only really hoping for eight to 10 saves. If he gives me eight to 10 saves, he's more than worth the the price I'm paying. In my opinion, Uh, he would be, as I mentioned, if I did draft Duran from the twins, he would, he would be my third reliever in, in my lineup on a weekly basis, but he'll be in there every week, all season long in that spot. Uh, Yes. You can get starters in this range uh, that, that I would rather, you know, that are going to produce more as a starter, but just eight to 10 staves on top of that makes him worth this price for me. Yeah. I, I'm a Sewell all guy just because of what he has, but I agree with your Munoz take hundred percent agree with it. I think he's great. Definitely worth uh, the depth. If you need him, it just, I just wish he was going farther in drafts. He's almost going ahead of Sewell in some drafts, which is, which is bonkers in, in that scenario. But yeah, definitely interesting to say the least Tampa, Bay Rays, fun, fun team as always. And you got Wander Franco, a guy that uh, if people listen to me long enough, I've been hesitant on in fantasy time and time again. ADP of around 77 right now. For me, it's like I got to see it, kid. I don't, I say kid because he's still super young. So it's, it's crazy. <laughs> um, Kevin, how are you approaching Franco? Like we know the skills, the talent is there. I just don't know if it's fantasy talent compared to real baseball talent. And that's my concern. What about you, Kevin? That's exactly where I was going. I, I think he's going to be a phenomenal player uh, in Major League Baseball. I don't know that there's a, a lot. I mean, sure, he's projected double-digit home runs, double-digit steals, uh, a lot of runs, which is underrated in fantasy, uh, I think. But it, it's just I there's people it in every draft I've ever been in, somebody likes him more than I do as a fantasy player. I love him as a baseball player. What about you, uh, Adam? How are you looking at uh, Mr. Uh, Wander Franco? 
Franco is the type of guy that I have all the faith in the world to not only be a good, you know, real life player, but you know, of a fantasy asset. But I'm not, I'm not willing to kind of put my money where my mouth is. I have no shares of Franco beyond the dynasty league that I have him in. Um, and just because where he's going, kind of to echo what Kevin said, it's like where he's going, the other shorts up around there, there's just a lot safer. Like you, it's like, it's like the joke. It's like Ronda Franco could be anything. He could even yeah. be the guys that are going drafted like right after him. He could even be, you know, Xander Bogars. He could even be uh, Carlos Correa. Like he could even be the guys that you could get right after that. Um, and so just not some, not something I'm worth paying up for based on the shortstop market that's going right around that same range. Um, I, I, you know, if in the one chance that I think I would pro I would consider doing is if I, if I wanted to take a chance and double tap shortstop or double tap and use them as my middle infielder as a, you know, a solid backup shortstop to somebody who I thought could, you know, take a turn down. Um, I think he's safer in that realm, but you're not doing that at that, at that point in the draft. Yeah, and that's a hundred percent where I am. I just one of those. I just don't. I don't know. Maybe he does it one year, and I want, and he'll do it one year, and he won't be on my rosters. So that's just the the scenario with with Wander Franco. Uh, the last race question I have, real quick for you, Shane McClanahan. We know the injury concerns at the end of last season. Velocity looks good this year. ADP is around thirty right now. Adam, are you good? With McClanahan, or do you still have concerns with McClanahan? I mean, I wish I was good because he's so fun. Yep. <laughs> he's so good. Um, I don't have any. I don't have him rostered anywhere, and and that was by design. I was skipping over him, and I was going after a little safer bets uh, throughout draft season, uh, whether it was early or even currently. As you as you pointed out, it looks he looks fine. He looks the velocity looks up. Um, I should be less concerned, um, but at at pick thirty um he's you know obviously he's going to be your sp1 maybe your sp2 if you went pocket aces or something in that range uh it's too much risk for that situation for me um so i've been skipping over what about you kevin are you in or out on mcclanahan at adp around 30 i i'm back in now i i was concerned a little bit but as you mentioned uh the velocity seems to be there so uh but this is a spot i usually don't draft pitching uh, if I'm looking for a pitcher, I'm more than okay with taking him at, at the two, three turn where, where he's being drafted. Uh, but yeah, I, I was enough concerned earlier in draft season that I ended up with very few shares. He's one of those guys that I have on some keeper and dynasty teams, and I'm really happy I have him, mm -hmm. but I haven't been drafting him in redraft. Yeah, he's, he's a guy I just, yeah, I've been avoiding because I was worried about a lot of factors we saw at the end of last season. And Hopefully he proves me wrong. I'll root for him, but I just I, I don't know. He might I just feel like he starts out good and we have the same problem again. And I'm I'm concerned. So that's where I am with one Shane O'McClanahan. Texas Rangers, two more teams to go here. Adelise Garcia has been a 2020 guy two years in a row. Most people said he couldn't do it a second time. He did it and he improved his strikeout rate. Right now he's got an ADP around 63. Kevin, are you a believer in another 2020 season from Adelise Garcia? I'm a believer in another 25-25 season. For That's Adelis my man. I, I, I'm a huge fan of this guy. I understand. I understand the concerns of how his profile could send the batting average way south, and then the other stats follow. I I get it, but there's it, he's one of these guys. You know, I I I am a, a, I fully believe in analytics. I love them. I'm, I'm diving into them all the time, but there are exceptions. None of them are 100% accurate. Uh, 
there sometimes results matter more than trying to look under the, you know, uh, take a deeper dive and just go by results. Adelise Garcia is amazing. Yep. I'm with you. I have them on a lot of teams this year. What about you, Adam? Uh, I don't have them anywhere, but I am a convert for sure. Um, to echo what Kevin just said, like it's the proof is in the pudding. He's, he's done it. He's the, Julio Urias of hitters where it's like you just all the underlying metrics say he shouldn't be doing it again. Uh, and there he goes. He does it again. Uh, you know, 27, 25, as Kevin mentioned, could go 25, 25 once again um, on a much improved or an improving Texas lineup. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm on board. I'd be, I'd be going after him in leagues where, uh, like in the dynasty or keeper league is somebody who may be on the fence. They were happy. They kept them, but at the same time, they don't believe I'd be going after in that situation. Yep. I'm all about him. Get a 2020 guy after you maybe got like a Rosarena or a bigger infielder. That's a great base going after like four rounds of a draft. That's outstanding to me. Um, Josh young, a guy that we were hyped up on last year, had the shoulder injury in spring. Didn't think we'd see him. So I'm a bit towards the end having a really good spring. Um, we, we, we had high power expectations for young, Right now, his ADP is around 210. So, again, if you kind of miss some third baseman, he could be an option if you're feeling frisky. So, Adam, what are your thoughts on Josh Young this year? Do you think he lives up to his fantasy, I guess, hubbub that everybody has for him? Um, I don't have many thoughts on Young. I I was I was avoiding him last year. I think I had him in one or two places last year just because it's like you want to have a piece, and obviously that didn't work out. Um, but, I mean, the, the under – this is – it might be Garcia 2.0. I don't know, but like all those underlying metrics for him. Um, yeah, he might be having a great spring, but like that strikeout rate is incredibly scary um, with like a little to no walk rate to go along with it. And so I do worry about whether or not he's actually going to um, play enough to uh, volume his way into, you know, counting stats that will matter um, might be a good daily moves play um, in those types of leagues, but in a weekly moves, um, I mean, I, 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 I think this is going to be a guy where I don't have enough shares of, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, he's a he's a very interesting one with Young. What about you, Kevin? Are you in or out on uh, Young this year? I, er, when we started the pod, uh, it seemed like every player I was saying, uh, I'm going to wish I had more shares of this guy. And then, so now we've went several teams without that coming up, and I, and I'm back there. Uh, I think I think subconsciously, I really try to avoid doing this, but I had a lot of Josh Young last year. Yep. And uh, so I really try to avoid allowing that to affect what I think of a player the following season when it comes to whether I'm pulling the trigger or not, uh, if, if I like where they're going in drafts. Uh, but I think subconsciously that that has been the case. I think I'm going to wish we can throw the 38% strikeout rate out the window. I think he he did have a 28% strikeout rate at AAA uh, last season as well, which was much higher than he had had in 2021. Coming off that injury, I, I think I think as he gets healthy. Uh, that's coming back down. Now, what we see in down in the low 20s, uh, we saw double A AA and triple A at the major league level. Probably not. Uh, but it, I don't think it's going to be over 30 percent if it gets down into that uh, upper 20s to, to start his first full season uh, like projections have him for. I think we're going to be really happy at what we get from Josh Young. And yeah, he's one of those guys I'm going to wish I had more of. 
Yeah, most definitely. I'm with you on that, and I might have that situation coming up here shortly. Um, Jacob DeGrom, this has been a thing, and it's just like last season all over again. Oh, my gosh, he pitched an awesome bullpen. Oh, he did great in a simulated game. Now his ADP is 21. Um, Kevin, are you in or out on Jacob DeGrom this year? In. I have a lot of shares, especially when I could get him in the third round early in draft season and continued to take him in the second. I had to hold, I had to pull back just because – uh, I still like him where he's going, but I, you can't have a guy like this on every single one of your teams. So I've had to pull back and let him go a couple of times when I did want to draft him where he's still going now. Yep, I'm with you there as well. What about you, Adam? Are you in or out on Jacob DeGrom? I should be more in. Um, I see him as very similar to what we talked about with uh, Stanton earlier. Um, when he's on the field, he's obviously producing. Um, and if you have any kind of flexibility on your bench to stash an IL guy, th- this is the guy to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So you get all, all the benefit of when he's on the field and you pair him up with somebody who can take those innings when he's off the field without dropping him into the pool. You just can't have a whole bunch of guys like you couldn't draft DeGrom, Stan and Buxton all in the same spot because you only have so many bench spots and in, in, in a BC spot to kind of stash these guys. Um, so you do have to pick your pick your poison when it comes to that. And uh, DeGrom hasn't been the one that I've picked. And it mostly has to do with the fact that um, I just haven't picked. I don't, I don't typically go pocket aces. And so I'm usually picking, if I pick one ace in the first three rounds, it just ends up being somebody it, it's, it's ended up being somebody else. All righty. That's head to the, oh, and I'm out on the ground for anybody that does not know that by now. Uh, <laughs> I can't take, I can't take the risk. Um, Toronto blue Jays, the 15th and final team in the American league. And you mentioned him earlier. And I'm glad you did. Kevin Whit Merrifield. This is a guy that I wrote off because I thought he'd be platooning so on and so forth. The list goes on and on. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm interested. It looks like he's going to be the everyday second baseman. Sure, he's towards the bottom of the order, but that can be productive in that lineup. I'm buying more and more in on Whit Merrifield this season. So we'll start with you, Adam, and then I'll give it to Kevin, who I know has a thought on this. What's your thoughts on Whit Merrifield? Because right now the dude's got an ADP of 202. Yeah, post 200, um, I'm in on Whit Merrifield. Now that we know that see my biggest my biggest concern here was who who was going to make it out of camp that could kind of take the playing time specifically from Whit Merrifield um so I've been I've been looking at and targeting um uh Addison Barger uh one of their top prospects you know was a shortstop prospect he's moving around they played him in the outfield a lot more during spring training um got a really powerful bat from the left side uh they have since sent him down along with a whole bunch of other prospects or Elvis Martinez in the infield and others um and so Honestly, with him being sent down, I'm a lot more confident about Whit Merrifield um, and even San Diego, uh, Santiago Espinal as well as second base. Um, and I think that those are the two only two guys that are going to be kind of fighting each other for any kind of playing time concerns. Uh, Whit Merrifield obviously has the benefit of being able to do both uh, second base outfield. Um, and that outfield situation, even with, I mean, Varsho obviously is their everyday center fielder. Uh, Springer, you know, we, you know, as good as he is, he's another injury concern waiting to happen type of thing. Um, on top of that, I, I'm trying to get as much Toronto uh, lineup as I can. And with the new dimensions in that ballpark, the great Canadian small park, as it's going to probably be uh, yeah. termed uh, in short order. Um, so we, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm in on Merrifield at this point. And we get to a point in the draft where if I'm wrong, after 200, it's like you have no concerns dropping anybody you picked after 200. 
yeah, I, again, that's another great point. Uh, I'm a big fan. I think the steals are there. Maybe a little pop, run scored. What about you, Kevin? Are you in on Merrifield at this point? Yeah, I, I have him in a lot of places, and will at at this spot if, if I'm enter a couple more drafts before the season starts. Uh, he's a target, not just somebody I'm willing to take. Um, it, it, it appears we're looking at, you know, 500 plus plate appearances, maybe not playing every day. Uh, in some leagues, you know, at five outfielder leagues, there was leagues where that's why I was drafting him as outfield started drop, dropping off. I'm like, yeah, he's probably playing second base for Toronto, but that'll, he, I can use him as an outfielder. Double-digit home runs. And last time, you know, I think I'm expecting low double-digit home runs and roughly 20 stolen bases. That That's what he's projected for, and, and I agree with, with the projections there. Last time I went into a season when I was projecting about 10 home runs and 20 stolen bases from Whit Merrifield, he went 1040. Yeah. That was 2021 when it looked like his speed had been dropping off. And with the rules changes – a guy like Whit Merrifield, who definitely knows how to steal bases, but maybe a half a step slower than he used to be, he could go from twenty to back to forty in an instant. Yep, I'm with you. I've been I've been a big Whit fan. It's just about regular playing time, and it's like we're back. It's crazy how old he is. I'll be honest, but uh, we'll run that one through. Last question I have for you guys with the Toronto Blue Jays here: better fantasy target based on ADP. Kevin Gossman at ADP of forty four point four. Alec Manoa at 68.5. Kevin, who you got here? This is another one of those uh, sometimes results matter more than we want to give him credit for. And, and I'll go with Manoa since I can get him fifth round as, as opposed to third round. Uh, I, I know uh, the, the, the metrics show maybe he was a little lucky last year, but uh, results matter. And two rounds later, I'd rather have Manoa. What about you, Adam? How are you looking at this one? Uh, just for the sake of being different, um, I'll go with Gossman here. Um, for the exact opposite reasons that, Kevin, you mentioned that Manoa, maybe he got a little lucky. Gossman was the opposite of that. He was probably the unluckiest pitcher um, in all baseball, especially if you're looking at PLV and his hit luck. Um, I think it was like a negative 35 um, added runs. <laughs> or, uh, he should have had 35 less uh, hits last year than um, than he actually put up. Um, I, I'm okay with paying up for Gossman, but honestly, I've been for the exact same reason I've been avo- I've been going after Toronto hitters. Um, I've been avoiding Toronto pitchers um, pretty much as you know all off season. Yeah, I'm Team Kevin Gossman. That's where I'll be. But uh, 20 pick differential to get to Manoa is interesting. I'll be honest. So it, uh, I'll go Gossman, but both are very solid. Like and like you said, uh, Kevin, it's hard to ignore the results. Like I, I, I get confused looking at uh, Manoa's numbers, and it's just the results are there. So we'll see. All right. You guys have put up with me long enough. I have one listener question for you here. It comes from our boy at Torres Takes. And um, he says, will you guys be making any changes to your fab process this season? Whoever wants it can start with that. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, that's a good question. Um, let's see. My, I don't know my process. My, my personally, my process is probably just going to be a little bit more controlled. Um, I'm probably going to be focusing sp- uh, more specifically on categories um, throughout the season rather than waiting until midseason um, to kind of really be focusing on what I think I'm going to be needing rather than wait until I see what I actually do need. Um, and so I'll be probably spending up a little bit more early to get the guys that are going to um, provide me with the statistics that I think 
I'm deficient in after my draft um, early on in probably stream, even though I paid a little bit more up, especially my 12 teamers. I found myself last year at the end of the season with way too much money. Um, so I will be paying up more early uh, earlier in 12 teamers than I than I am in 12, 15 teamers uh, where I find myself spreading out my money a little bit, a little bit better. What about you, Kevin? How are you approaching your fab process this year? I, I think not, no drastic changes. Uh, uh, I, I say often I like to be conservatively aggressive. And, and what I mean by that is conservative in my bid amounts, but aggressive on looking ahead uh, a, a couple of weeks at what me maybe when I'm going to need a player. So uh, I'm just going to continue to try to improve on that and uh, continue to I, – I, I've gotten better and better each and every year, still not good enough at letting guys go. I, I, I brought up Ohapa earlier. In, in years past, I wouldn't even consider letting him go at this point in the season. I, I'm going to be considering it in the first couple of weeks So if, if he's not going to be on the roster. So that's what I'm trying to get better at and improve letting guys go is the big thing. Yeah, that's one I know I need to be better at. I have a hor- horrible time of just saying I need to drop guys. Um, and that that's a big one. Especially, I play a lot of 12-teamers where you should be dropping guys a lot easier than in a 15. 15 is tricky. I get I get the trepidation in a 15. That's that's a, that's a rough road. Uh, but 12s, you should be able to just kind of you know fling it away. But, uh, yeah, that and just kind of, I don't know, simplifying my process. I don't know how I'm going to do that yet, but I need to because when you start adding up how many fab leagues you have, it's a lot of time. So there's got, but the new NFPC process will help a ton. That's true. There's these cool tools at pitcherlist.com. I heard that should help with that as well. So something, something to uh, to keep in mind also. So we'll wrap it up there. I appreciate you guys. Before we head on out, we'll start with Kevin, and then we'll go Adam. Let people know where they can find you and plug all your stuff. Absolutely. I am at Hasting Kevin on the Twitter machine uh, and co-host with Adam on On The Wire. Or for the most part, have been for the last couple of years. I am going to step back a bit, uh, the, at least early in the season. More of a leave of absence than leaving new job. Uh, wife's job being more demanding. I'm stepping back a little bit. Uh, hopefully Adam will, when I'm available, allow me to come on as a guest as we are doing uh, for this first fab show of the season. It's going to be great. Can't wait to do that for this weekend. Uh, but yeah, pitcherlist.com. You guys have brought up PLV and all the new tools there. I, I'm using the new uh, PLV Pro or Pitcher List Pro for a Keeper League draft. I have the the new auction calculator software on the on the pitcher list site for a keeper league this weekend already got all my keepers entered it works fantastic as good or better than others i've used in the past looks amazing so yep and uh i'll still be in the discord a lot over there at pitcher list as well awesome what about you adam what do you got going on yeah just on the wire at on the wire pod uh every sunday can it continue to to go strong we will have kevin on uh this week and we'll we'll go from there um no word on the uh, anybody taking filling in those shoes those are pretty big shoes to fill kevin Very so big I'm, shoes, I'm just yeah. just uh just saying just appreciate saying. it um i i will give another plug to the i don't write a whole bunch at pitcher list but i did do um a pretty decent article i hope uh on stolen base uh uh, intent um kind of quantifying that and looking at different situations so it is it it was published a couple weeks ago um check it out on pitcherlist.com i have a leaderboard on tableau that i'm hopefully will publish uh in short order um to kind of be able to track that throughout it has four years worth of data in it 
And then it's going to be updated throughout the course of the 2023 season to kind of uh, see how these new rules are affecting uh, the trends that we're seeing as far as pop time and and pitcher handedness and and all the other factors that go into that. So hopefully that's useful, especially when it comes to trying to find stolen bases on a daily basis rather than even um, a long term basis. So keep um, my shout out to that and take a look and let me know what you think of that. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome thing with all the stolen base landscapes changing. And, um, yeah, looking forward on the wire, seeing what you guys got. I know you said, Kevin, you're stepping away for a little bit there, which is totally understandable. That is part of the real world we live in. (laughs) So I get that 100%, and uh, it'll be fun to hear you from time to time and see where that show goes because Adam's a a beast on the mic as well. So I appreciate you guys joining me again. If you you aren't following him yet, follow Kevin on Twitter at Hastings. I screw this up all the time. Yeah, I had it right. I hasting Kevin. I had it right the whole time. It's a long show. Um, and you got Adam Howe at 80 grade on Twitter. Obviously, all their great stuff at pitcherlist.com. And I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick. This was Benched with Bubba, episode 578. Doing some American League storylines. Catch you guys next time. month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Get up to a $25 gift card after rebate with the purchase of select Superstart batteries. Our professional parts people will test your old battery for free and recommend the right battery for your vehicle. For power, performance, and reliability, choose Superstart batteries only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.